Hey, everybody, it's Ben Kwam, co-host of hopefully your favorite podcast, Libations for Everyone. Today's episode is sponsored by Foundry Nation. Foundry Nation loves THC. Born in Minnesota, they partner with farms throughout the Midwest to supply high-quality seed-to-table THC products. Uh, I've tried their sodas such as Orange Tangy, Strawberry Fields, and Granddaddy Purple. They're incredible. I love them. They're fantastic. Great CBD treats for dogs. They have all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. As our partner, they're offering all of our listeners an exclusive 20% off with the code LIBATIONS20, capital L-I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S-2-0. The future is dope. Thank you so much. Now, let's get on with the show. Also, I, I, I really believe this, and no offense to all of my friends who live in the suburbs. I do, in fact, live in a first-ring suburb. But I think the farther away from a metro area you live, the less likely you are to understand that you're blocking everybody everywhere you go. And this was out in one of the farther out suburbs. And I think there's just a lot of people that aren't used to being anywhere that's crowded. Mm-hmm. You know, like, at best, there's, like, what, like, Costco or Sam's Club on a weekend, and if you've ever been to one of those in a suburb, you know what an absolute mindfuck it is trying to get anywhere. Especially when yeah, you walk like, at a service industry Have you never been pace. to a Slayer yeah. concert? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, what the fuck? Yeah, come on, you guys. <laughs> but that's just, that's, that's, that's people. <laughs> and I, I feel that way. I mean, that's not just <clears throat> about this fest. I feel that way kind of everywhere I go. Like, if you're, if you're anywhere where people that don't live in uh population dense environments gather it's always chaos like i have to look out for random travelers at the airport more than i have to look out for anything else Mm -hmm. because you just have those people that are walking and they have their arms arms wide open they're scott stapping it as they go down and then they'll just stop and look around like they just realize they're in an airport and don't know where they are shots fired ikea (laughs) and creed uh, but, but yes, <laughs> just I'll sometimes t- playing it. I'll Ikea. take both of those motherfuckers on. Right. Like Ikea was a lot of my furniture in the twenties, but in my twenties, but they've also been a horrible company. So fuck it. I'll fight them and Creed at the same well, time. Let's go. Let's make some enemies on the podcast tonight, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, what do you think? Uh, we got, we got, we got all the agaves. Yeah. All the unaged. Plenty. Yeah. We got a lot of clear. Many agaves. <laughs> Mas agaves. Uh, Charles, what do you have in your glass? A bottle of Satol from Chihuahua. It's a Satol Coyote. It uh, seems to have meddled. Got a gold medal in Chihuahua in 2020. It's really fruity. Super clean. I'm as very Satols excited. tend to be. It's just like very fruit forward. Super That's nice. Fucking awesome. Yep. And then you brought two bottles. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to hold off on the mezcal until we can have a sip because I have never had this mezcal. Yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know what it's going to taste like. So I'm very kind of excited about it. But um, a former manager of mine from the service industry days told me that that's one of his new favorites because it punches above its weight class. So I'm, I'm excited to try that. Yeah. Uh, but what I and our soon-to-be-introduced guest are sipping on on this side of things is uh, Tequila Postumo, uh, which is a single-family, single-farm, uh, from what I understand, third-generation um, uh, tequila maker. So very, very 
natural, no additives, no anything. It's beautifully sweet and a little bit grassy, which I love. I, uh, I was saying earlier before we started recording, it's kind of fun when you get to, when the wine side comes out a little bit and you get a little bit of that terroir. Um, but before I ask you your thoughts, I feel like we need to have our wonderful guest introduce herself to the crowd so they know whose voice this is. <laughs> so my dear, what is your name and uh, what you do? My name is Becca Schwartzbauer. I am the owner of Grey Duck Staging and Design here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. And I dabble in interior design and residential real estate. Fucking eight. Uh, I feel like, um, am, am I wrong in, in thinking back in the day that you, uh, you're a fan of wine? You're a fan of a number of different things. So did you get those same, like, kind of where you, can, you feel like you taste a little bit of, like, the area where it's from? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's so uh, bright mm. and refreshing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's time maybe to take another sip of this. Let's go. Uh, Charles, shall we cheers? Too. Yeah. Yeah, let's so, cheers. Cheers across. Boop. Hey, cheers. Hey. Cheers. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy oh, that. Oh, hey. Yeah. It's got a little bit of funk. Yep. That All is- right. And like dangerously that. good. What uh, have a wide range here tonight because I got the clean fruity. This got like a little tinge of funk to it, and then the mezcal. I imagine is going to have some richer characteristics. Who knows? Like Who it knows. It's it, that's a screw top. Like let's get weird with it. Let's find out. <laughs> I have no idea. And honestly, sometimes I like that. I like when we have stuff on this on this program that we've never had before. Sure. Because let's face it, I don't know what it's going to take to get worse than a fourteen year aged four loco. From three, four episodes ago. That, that may be my new bar for... Where did you even find that? Uh, that, that was the guest. That was our guest. Every now and then stash. our guest comes through with some wild ass shit. And they're yeah. like, we're drinking this. I'm like, okay. That's amazing. I, I guess we'll go with it. <laughs> some stone fruit Belgian Lambic and a 14-year-old Four Loco. So, <laughs> you know, well when you rounded. say it like little, that. little juxtaposition for you there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It says, I'm serious, but I can have fun. Yes, yes. Yeah. And also, I might be a little dangerous, right. <laughs> either to myself or to others. Especially after <laughs> yes. the 14-year-old or loco. Aged to perfection. Uh, we also have this Ranch Rider Spirits Company, yeah. Tequila Paloma. Which I have not had, had yet. Mm-hmm. We wanted Palomas by request, and we were trying to figure out how amidst our day we could get some made, and I stopped by the store to find a bottle of Satol. And I saw this, and I said, all right, well, let's split the difference here. I found some canned Palomas. They I'm, are very fine. They're yeah, okay. Yes, that's, okay. that's, that's it. They it's are Paloma-flavored beverage. They are, yeah. they are fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do, uh, to, to clean up from an episode like a year ago, Charles, yeah. uh, Bruce Springsteen was uh, this most recent Sunday, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, I know I've talked about it on the show before. It was everything I hoped it would be. But it also was Jenny's first mango white claw. Her first? Her first. And uh, she responded exactly the same as we just did. She goes, this is perfectly fine. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, it's the first time I've had a white claw and I didn't hate it. Mm -hmm. So I'm into it. Sure. Uh, And so, yeah, we we went with that. But then I went upstairs, like to where our seats were, because I don't have the money for floor seats for Bruce. And uh, the bar... Randomly, it was like all the domestic stuff that you always see, and then two 16-ounce Goose Island offerings. They were completely sold out of White Club, but uh, Barrel Theory had 
a hazy IPA on tap. Oh, really? Okay. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Oh, you were at Excel. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I had never seen that before. Right. I had only seen the most macro of macro stuff there. So it was really cool to have uh, a very, very small St. Paul brewery yeah. have an IPA on. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really rad. You know, it's a good show when I, I have no interest in going and getting another drink. I just want to sit and watch. Yeah. So that was pretty rad. So we got Boss crossed off my list and Mango White Claw crossed off a... So you crossed I, the boss. All right. I crossed the boss. <laughs> wow. I mean, he did say the crowd is Dangerous. a motherfucker. So I'll go with that. <laughs> um, Becca, I wanted to the kick... Boss a, and the boss crossed you. <laughs> yes, 100%. <laughs> he, he crossed all over me and it was wonderful. Um, so full disclosure to everybody out there, years and years ago and lifetimes ago, mm-hmm. uh, Becca and I worked in the, uh, the bar industry together. And uh, not that I ever feel like I lost touch with you, but in the pre-everyone-has-social-media era to the, oh, I guess we're all just going to find each other on one media or another, uh, I, I don't know. How did, the, how did the leap from, like, service industry person that I work with to uh, literally, like, running the Twin Cities staging world, mm-hmm. how, did, how did that happen? How did you get into that? Oh, man, I... <laughs> Like all good things by accident. Rad. Truly. Um, it was, it's, so my experience with furniture and interiors started as a pet project. And uh, my old business partner is a real estate agent and he purchased a dying staging company as an ancillary business. And I was in the time of like early Pinterest and upcycling, dumpster diving, stopping on the side of the road for like an old chair, you know, slapping some paint on it. Um, A friend of mine and I were running pop-up shops here to South Dakota and he needed somebody to help him run his business. I think they were family friends, but that's how, you know, the introduction happened. Awesome. And it was, you know, the, the growth, happened so like organically I guess and through word of mouth that it's just kind of grown to what it is now so what is the so actually before I even talk about territory that you cover for those that don't know out there like what what is like staging like what what does Grey Duck do so we work with local real estate agents across the Twin Cities and sellers to help them properly market their asset sure So um, vacant home staging is our gold standard of what we do, Um, but we offer consultations and interior design and talk strategy with agents and sellers to help them, you know, get that offer that they need to, you know, accept a sale. So that's so cool. Do you, do you like, do you use your own furniture? Do you use the furniture that's provided? Is it both? Yes, so it's both. So we all work with the seller's furniture for styling, um, but I'm a professional hoarder. That's, <laughs> that's what I do. I got, I got into you it. You found a way to turn hoarding into a career. I did. That's amazing. Uh, it's been a beautiful journey. Um, <laughs> so I actually, I got into this because for my love of interiors, but what I'm really in is, <laughs> yeah, what I really do is warehouse management, truly, <laughs> sure. at, at the end yeah. of the day. So... <laughs> Um, I've got a space over in West St. Paul. We're expanding in there, and my collection grows. So, uh, how far out do you do you serve? Like, is there a geographic area? Is it? Yeah. So, I mean, all the way from like Maple Grove to Somerset. Okay. Yeah. So, all over. Um, so there's a way that all of our listeners can learn what you're about, and right. it's the show that is premiering 
on HGTV later this month. Can you tell us about that? At the end of March, that? yeah. Yes, the show yeah. is Red 0911, and I was lucky enough to stage... For, hold on, for everybody, not Reno 911, which is an amazing show, and <laughs> yes. everybody should watch. Renovation But 911. Renovation 911. I mean, I love the idea that you yeah. guys were doing the furniture for Reno 911. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> I was new boot goofing. Who is a over. new boot goofing? Thank you so much. Yes, 100%. Sorry. So, <laughs> Renovation 911. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, so this show is about homeowners who experience um, catastrophic, you know, acts of God, right? So like a pipe burst, a lightning strike, um, you know, things that require some type of insurance claim. Mm-hmm. And they work with uh, this local company, Ungerman Construction, to, you know, get them back in their house. So that's awesome. It's like to actually like help people that are in probably one of the worst moments of their life yeah but then also to give them like a like look how beautiful this looks well and i think that uh you know if you find yourself with a burst pipe at 2 a.m you know like we talked about like who do you call do you call 911 who do you (laughs) call uh what do i do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't yeah i i freely admit I i don't even know where i would go Right off the bat, if my Sounds basement like a Reno nine one one episode, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I run downstairs and, and it's Nick Swartzen just dressed in Terry clothes, <laughs> just doing circles and roller skates in the basement, like holding a pipe for some reason. Broke your pipe, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Honestly, I, that's not that far out of the possibility. Be a mashup. There's going to be a mashup coming up soon. Yes, <laughs> Reno Reno nine one one. Yes, yes, renovation. Yeah. Uh, so, what was the what like? what was that situation like for you? Like, was it fun to, to play house in like kind of, I'm sure there had to be a time constraint, right? Cause you're trying to get these houses fixed as fast as possible yeah. for folks. Yeah. Like, was that kind of designing under the gun? Did you find that like, off, like thrilling or was that like just even more weight on your shoulders? Uh, it was, so it was thrilling. It was great to, you know, I love, as a business owner, I have a, I run a small team, but I got to collaborate on a, like a much larger scale, which was so great um, to work with the network again and the homeowners and the production. Mm. So it's all like to see how many people pull together to make this happen was really sweet. I mean, it was stressful because there is a time constraint, oh. and you know we had to get everything done. You know while the grass was green and, you know, for continuity and... Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. You got to... you like, we, as a place that has four seasons, if you mm-hmm. want to get something done that looks like it happened in a couple of days, you kind of... You have to not take too long right. in, in our area, in our latitude. Well, and it was really interesting in, like, the construction climate because shipping times had just started to, like, normalize, right? So there was very real construction constraints and also there's so much like red tape with the insurance companies sure so you know making that happen damn too was a challenge that i thankfully i didn't have to deal very much with but (laughs) yeah so if did you for the show specifically did you use stuff from your warehouse or did you work with them to buy stuff that that the people got to keep is that a secret that we're not allowed to talk about and uh, there, so there is a budget, yep. and I did use a lot of my inventory, but what's really great about Kirsten and Lindsay is, and Ungerman in general is that they're so generous. So 
we worked really hard with the network and the budget we were given to thank the homeowners for being a part of the, the project. So they got to keep a lot of cool. what we did and installed. Because you always wonder, do they take it? Does everything right. have to go? Do they get to keep anything? And the answer on the show is they, they got to keep a lot of it. So That's cool. That's amazing. Really cool. Yeah, oh. it's like these families have been through so much and displaced and, you know, living out of hotel rooms for six months. And, you know, a lot of them are families. Yeah. So... It was cool to see him back in their That's house. Great. And we'll plug this again at the end, but uh, it, it's going to be premiering at the end of March 2023. What, uh, what, what network or how do people find it? So it's going to be on HGTV. Um, I believe it airs at 7 o'clock on March 28th. Cool. That's, cool. that's awesome. And congratulations. Thank you. That's pretty yeah. rad. Thank you so much. Let's dive in. Uh, yeah, let's dive in. I am going to just slightly adjust your microphone, if that's all right. Sure. I'm just going to get it a little closer to you. There we go. Voice. Okay. Yeah. Topic number one. Let's go. Becca, what's a unique thing you did with your significant other when you first met to get to know one another better? Oh. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, outside of the normal dating thing, uh, we decided to take a trip to Southeast Asia together. Like early on? Yeah. 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 I was actually planning to do sort of like this eat, pray, love experience. And he was like, you know, I think I'm going to come with you. I was like, no, no. And and he was like, yeah, I'm afraid so. So we decided to just book round trip tickets only Mm. in and out of Hong Kong. And then if for some reason things weren't driving, it would be like, see you in six weeks. Trial by fire. Trial by fire. Yeah. So we, we. We had that travel love. It was an adventure and cool. just like the trip of a lifetime. It was so much fun. Real talk. Uh, I do know that story and I did not let him know that. So I love that that question just came up organically. Really? Yeah, 100%. Like I, I, as soon as he sent the questions to me, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Because <laughs> I honestly, knowing Becca and then through social media and messaging back and forth, knowing Joe, uh, your partner a little bit, I... I just, I still think I'm floored by like, let's go travel to another continent while we get to know each other and see yeah. if this is a thing. Right. That's fucking rad. Yeah, it was, it was the best like first dating experience you could ever hope for, really. Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Was and, there a... And like you, you had to learn a lot. Oh God. Yeah. We learned a lot about each other, but like I, you never really... I believe are more alive than when things aren't going exactly according to plan. Yeah. You know, so on this podcast, we've talked about how you don't really know your partner until you travel with them. And if you did it that early and you did it internationally, yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. Oh man. We got food poisoning on this trip (laughs) in a small room in Thailand Uh, together. (laughs) So, you know, that was a lot of, uh, a lot of closeness. We Specifically, got that is what Quam has professed in the uh-huh. past about getting to know someone is when you both need the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I've right? always it wasn't you, it wasn't getting to know somebody. I have said that you well, don't like, know what through. real marriage is. Yeah. Until you and your partner have had to negotiate a single bedroom or a single bathroom. Yeah. The while, logistics. While both. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're literally playing. That's a who trial. has to do what worse out of what hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's that is a trial of a serious relationship, whether that be marriage or, or otherwise having to jockey over who's using the room and who lets who use the room. And 
And the things you can hear that you don't want to hear. Oh, yeah. It was like, put your headphones in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be a minute yeah. in there. Oh, it's great. It's great. a curtain, not a door. This is going <laughs> to be fun. This is going to be great. Yeah. And the style of the <laughs> bathrooms there, like, there's a lot yeah. happening. Yeah. The shower head is right over the toilet. You know, yeah. it's just, there's a lot going on. So yeah. I don't feel good. I'm just going to turn that on. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, bodily functions aside, in that trip, was there. Was there, were, were there any moments where you're like, holy shit, I actually, I might think this is my person? Yeah. Because I feel like it, also dealing with sure. all of that, the drama of being a meat sack, uh, there's also the joy of like absolute adventure while also kind of falling in love. There, there has to be some pretty magical moments, some movie moments there. There was actually. Um, we took a night train um, to... While we were staying, while we were in Vietnam, we took a night train to, to Northern Sapa, and we kind of overslept. And they were like rushing everybody off of the train, and I was moving slow. And he like had our bags, so that means like passport, money, all of my stuff. And I was like, I'm just gonna use the bathroom really quick. And like the train started moving. I'm like the only one left on Holy the train. Shit. The windows open. He's like, babe. Hurry up. Train's moving. Train's moving. I'm like, I'm coming. I'm coming. Of course, there's like the language barrier, right? Yeah. And I'm like to the door about to hop off. But this one of the attendants stands in front of me and he shuts the door while I'm on the train still. And like we can't really communicate what's going on. And so Joe jumps on the side of the train. He like drops her bags on the platform and he's like pounding on the door and he's like trying to get it open. Um, <laughs> and he like ends up pushing the door in and we both hop off and like all of the passengers on the train are watching this happen. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I know he probably thought he was like rescuing me, but like we can't, the train came to a full stop just a few moments later. Yeah. You know? right. <laughs> but he, he, called, he called himself Indiana Joe for the rest of this trip, oh, the rest of the trip there. There was an incident. Everyone be calm. <laughs> I know. He's like, you almost ended up in Kathmandu. And I'm like, I don't know what was going on there, but that was kind of, that cool. was exciting. Night train in Vietnam is the name of my death metal band, by the way. That's yeah. amazing. I would 100% go see that band. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exciting one. Yeah. Indiana Joe. That's mm -hmm. so great. Indiana yeah. Joe. I'm not yeah. I'm not gonna be able to get that out of my head every time I see him <laughs> pop up on social media. I'm like, oh. He still has the hat. It's yeah, it's great. Oh there's a hat. Oh there's a hat. There's yeah. a hat. They named the dog Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> you are named after the dog. <laughs> uh that's oh my god. I love yeah. everything about that. And so when you guys came back, was it where this is a thing? That it was like, uh, well, you should probably break your lease and uh, yeah. let's let's do this. And so. how long ago was that? Oh man, that was like eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, it's cool. crazy how much time flies. I don't feel like right we're now. that old, but we're that old. Yeah, and it was shortly after that uh, we got engaged, and five minutes after. I was pregnant, and, <laughs> and here we are. And so. now you have an impossibly cute child. And Thank you. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> He's the best. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I, this is tough because I, I don't – We Jenny and I did it so ass backwards. Uh, we flirted, but we worked together. So there's lots of flirting when you work together. Like, I, you just have fun, and you find people that you can vibe with, and it – breaks the tension a little bit and you know but you also get to know someone really well Absolutely. when you're working with them yep 100 percent. and so i've said this before and i'll say it again uh 
obviously the first thing I saw about my wife was that she's a complete smoke show. But uh, really the thing that I fell in love with first was how hard she worked. Like I watched her run circles around everybody else at work. And I thought, I still think that that is very sexy. I think that pushing hard to be the best that you can be at a thing is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So then it was a couple months of trying to figure out how I can make this woman care about me. Uh, unbeknownst to me that there was already some interest for her. And then uh, we were both on trips and we started texting each other increasingly naughty things. And uh, I got back a day before she did. I actually tried to change my flight to meet her for her last day of her vacation. Um, and then I picked her up and she stayed for five straight days. So I guess maybe the answer to that would be we just jumped in the deep end right away uh, and figured out what a trial run of like us being around each other all the time would be like. Uh, but the other fun part of that was because we had to keep it secret because we worked together and we didn't want people to get into our shit. Uh, we worked at night. So the daytime was like the foreign land to us. So while we were navigating that, we went mm. on all these crazy lunch dates. You're day dating, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was a, the, the daytime bar staff outside of places that I went to go do some day drinking. That was a, a, an entire section of people that I never talked to, never saw. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't do that. So we would go a lot of St. Paul restaurants, a lot of suburb restaurants, because we were so mortified that somebody else would walk in and know me, to be honest. Like, somebody would recognize me, like, oh, what are you guys doing? So we went on all these, we went to all these weird-ass restaurants to try their lunch programs out, just so that we could get a little time together without somebody interrupting us. Um, and we ate a lot of really average food. We had a couple really great meals, but... Because of that, because I wasn't constantly being interrupted with somebody that wanted to talk about, can you get me in for this event or like whatever? Because of that, we got a lot of time to just sit and talk. And I think that was a very different version of any relationship that I've had previous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where normally I would slow roll it. We'd hang out, you know, maybe one Friday night and then, hey, maybe next week, let's try hanging out again. And, you know, you'd slowly build that interest this was all of the interest in my world was there. And then we slowly got to figure out whether or not this was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so the more that I talked to her, the more I fell in love. And that was it. So I, I, I have never done that before, nor will I do that again. Uh, it was like... <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something kind of like intimate about getting to know someone over food. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like reservations are our love language, you know, Joe and I love to, I think that's like where we find privacy is kind of in that setting and like, you know, over something absolutely delicious and it's like how you carve out time with somebody. And, you know, like to this day, uh, thanks to her, we have a rule like no phones at the dinner table. So put it away and let's just have a, let's have a conversation. And I, I love that. It's a way of us catching up on what's going on in each other's lives. And at the time, you know, now, fuck, 11, 12 years ago now, uh, that was us just getting to know who the other person was. And I'm very happy. I don't think that was a conscious plan on either of our decisions, but it, it ended up being something that absolutely let me know that this was the human that I wanted to be with forever. Um, but Charles, I don't even... I don't know if I know how you and Marnie started dating. I know you've told me where you guys met, but like, how did, how did that start for you two? Like 
How do we meet or am I going to answer the question? No, the, the question, like what was something yeah. that you guys did? Well, I'm going to play small ball here, but it's the, sometimes I think of something about my life and then a topic comes out of it. And I thought actually you might snipe me on this one. I'm going to play small ball here, but what it was is really early on when we were dating and we've also been together eight years. Uh, early on, I think it was probably our maybe, if you want to call it a date, it was our fourth or fifth date. She had a going away party for a friend at the Nomad in Minneapolis. And my brother, our friend Andy and myself, just trucked over there. Hey, let's go hang out with this girl that I just started seeing. And um, had a great night at the bar. She came back, bar closed, and we wanted to continue drinking. So we were sitting in the breakfast nook at my old pad across the street from my office in Minneapolis. And uh, I had my Harman Kardon speaker my like mobile speaker and I brought it and set it on the table and I said why don't we play each other songs we like Ooh. whether or not we think the other person would like them yeah. let's not necessarily play songs that we think the other person will like write down and listen to later or add to their playlists why don't we play stuff that is meaningful for us and then explain why and I, it was just you know on a lark like this sounds fun and we spent the entire night playing songs I was playing like Swedish black metal songs, and she was playing, you know, Sinatra uh, radio, folk or whatever. Yeah, like all sorts of stuff. We were just, we took turns. Yeah. So I'd play one, and then she'd play one, I'd play one, she'd play one. And we did that for literally hours. It was the, the whole night, basically. Were we your sat. tastes really similar in music? No, no. Um, I like everything. I definitely like everything, but the biggest piece of the pie for me has always been metal i'm a i'm a i'm a metalhead but i like everything so i i like there's more crossover for her music with me than there is the other direction she's tried and likes some stuff that i like uh i'm proud to say that after she went to she took me to an amana marth concert in december that she's like working out to amana marth and i was like oh my god like i never <laughs> imagined that this would happen you're listening to viking metal while you work out so um it was definitely she played some stuff that i liked because i do like crooners and, and stuff like that. So she played some of that and I was able to remark, I like this. And then I would play Catatonia or some like sad boy Swedish metal and she'd be like, well, I've never heard anything like this. And then I'd explain the lyrics or the connection I had to a point in my life or a friend that has passed or like a meal that I had somewhere or the summer of 96 or, you know what I mean? So we had that, we learned a lot about each other via um, the soundtracks of our lives, which you know, obviously we talk about that on here a lot. Quam usually talks about music more than I do. I also have a great mm -hmm. connection to music. I don't talk about it as much as Quam does. But, you know, we all have my a better. particular summer that you listen to only Deftones mm -hmm. when you were 14. And then you want people or even just for your own purposes, you remember that really fondly. But then I could play Around the Fur for Marnie and say, oh, I remember this party that I went to. And we were playing this album and we stayed up all night smoking weed. So that was, I thought that was like a really cool tool to pull out of the tool belt to get to, to learn a lot more about who we are as people via the music that we love. It's funny because nobody, uh, nobody will play that game with me in my life because, uh, I don't know, like for some reason, like just the amount of music that I have can intimidate people sometimes. But I like that um, I pulled out all modern technology from our dining room, living room, mm -hmm. and it's just a record player. That's awesome. So if you come over to my house, you have to play a record. Like, whatever's playing when you show up is my 
selection, and then everybody else that's there has to play a record before I'll play it again. And, you know, we have, I don't know, somewhere around 500 and some records. So, like, it's a lot, but it's a little bit more manageable than, like, looking through my DJ library. <laughs> like, oh. I feel like there's at least some sense to it, and it's alphabetized. So people can just go and flip through. And I do, Charles, I'll, I'll back you up on it. I, I think if you are a real music lover, you can definitely start to learn things about people. And sometimes in the best way possible, where, like, one of my friends that I've known for a couple of years will throw me a curveball. And they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you have this record. I have to put it on. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, when did you start listening to that? You know? And then I'm like, oh, I, I guess I, I had you pegged wrong. So it's also a way of, like, helping me better figure out stuff about my friends. And yeah, I'm, totally. still, I'm still uh, <laughs> being married but kidless, uh, having the, the, the dink life, the dual income, no kids life. I still go to a lot of concerts. Um, especially since my wife during the week will go to bed at 8.30 or 9. Uh, I'll go to a lot of shows by myself. And there are times where, like, I wish I had, I had high school into college. I had a writer die named Chad. I've talked, to him, I've talked about him on the show before that we went to probably close to 1,000 shows together. Wow. Um, but he literally has a village of children, and he lives in, in the northern, northern, northern suburbs. So that's just not a possibility anymore. And so now I have all of my friends like regimented into little wedges of like, okay, if I go to this show, I can call like three or four people. If I go to this show, I could probably talk to like 15. If I go to this show, there's like one person that I know. And so it's fun doing that at the house because I also realize that I have misclassified some friends of mine and there are people that I should reach out to more. Mm -hmm. uh, but that said, I've really fallen in love with I've always been like a go to dinner by yourself. It's fine. Go to a movie Same. by yourself. Same. But uh, I have really fallen in love with go to a concert by yourself because then I can move around the whole time. And I, you know, everybody has heard me at least say this once being six, five, I can see everywhere is a good seat for me. So <laughs> yeah. I just kind of like wander around until I find a spot that doesn't make me feel guilty for anybody behind me. And also I can see everything. And then I don't have to explain to anybody why I like this song or why I think this is really rad. I can just shut the fuck up and be in it. Yeah. Uh, and so I do, I do like that. But that's a great way to actually get to know your partner. Yeah. Throughout our lives, we get to know people by their music tastes as well. You were trapped in my Jeep when we were driving to the food and wine fiasco last weekend. Yeah, but... And so you got to listen to a bunch of stuff that I like. I just kind of was... three of the bands that you played are, are bands that I now listen to. So, I mean, you, Dredge was already okay. in my yeah, yeah, shit, yeah, but Catatonia and Amon Amarth, that was both you and Josh Lemke. Like, that's sure. become a part of my did rotation. Did I play Amon Amarth? I didn't think I played Amon Amarth. You played one song. Maybe I did. I was marking it the whole time. Maybe I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. really that much of an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there is always somewhere in my brain, it's always marking whatever song is playing. Well, cheers. 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 Hey. Uh, I also poured a little bit of this coyote, and holy fuck, mm. is that good. Nice. I'm right behind you. I'll be pouring myself some as you ask question number two. Number two. Uh, All right. As my phone went to sleep. I think it's you. It I'm is. fairly me. certain. Uh, all right. So I'm going to say spent time in because that can be working or that can be hanging out and consuming at. But what is one thing that you've learned from all the time that we have spent in bars and restaurants that the average person might not know or might have the wrong perception of or something that you wish people would learn that we have learned in that? 
Oh, man. And that could be from whatever, whatever side you want to you bring it from. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think probably self-awareness. Ooh, yes. Might be. <laughs> All the snaps from me. <laughs> All the snaps from me. Might be the biggest takeaway. Um, I can, you know, watching uh, others lack of and, uh, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. I think you learn your pleases and thank yous real fast. And I think that I'm like a pretty good judge of character. I can tell if somebody's an asshole pretty quickly. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you almost know when they walk in from the body language that this person is going to be a problem at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like how they react to just looking around at the decor, how they carry themselves through the place. Yeah. You know, and much like uh, your record reference, I actually had a very rare gift where I could guess from all the years behind the bar what somebody was going to drink. And I pulled it out like a magic trick the other day when I was purchasing a couch and the guy selling it to me, we were just kind of engaging in light banter and he had an injury on his hand. And I was like, oh, what happened to you? He was like, oh, I was making a cocktail last week and I was like, gin and tonic. He's like, how did you do that? I'm like, it's a gift. Wow. It's a gift. <laughs> can I, can I, how do you injure yourself making a gin and tonic? I think he cut his finger, you know, going for the lime, okay, going for right. the garnish, maybe. I was like, I mean, I guess yeah. a carpal tunnel situation, like where it got inflamed yeah. from twisting, but <laughs> that, that one, yep. the, the, the bar is set pretty low on the construction side of that drink. <laughs> yeah. but, he might have had a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also, that's maybe a better point. Like, yeah. if you're on number nine of those and you break the glass in your mm-hmm. hand, yeah. right. I can yeah. see that. <laughs> What's, what can I ask, and, and if you can't think of this, Totally fine, but mm-hmm. what is the what is the the weirdest or most obscure drink that you've ever called for somebody that worked, or have you ever been wildly wrong? Oh, I've been wrong a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's part of like you know honing the craft, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, let me think about it. Sure. Yeah, let me think about if it. You, if you come up with one, yeah, mm. <laughs> be rad. Uh, Charles, what about you? You've uh, I obviously work in a creative capacity yeah. and a consultation capacity with a lot of bars and restaurants. And so you work on things like flow, maximizing space, where things are located, that type of thing. Um, helps me better understand the way that a bar works and also your decorum when you're in a bar, of course. Like, there's a lot of little things. If you follow, what's it called, Mover and Shaker Co. on Instagram, it's mm. just nonstop memes about mm-hmm. service industry, which is fucking hilarious but there's like a lot of little rules that i think people could be a little more keen to sometimes it's just sometimes it's blissful ignorance and sometimes it's intentional disregard but for instance if your buddy's ordering a drink and they haven't started creating it for you it's okay to tack yours on Mm -hmm. you don't have to wait till they start making it and say i'll take one too yep right yeah the days of tipping a dollar are over my friend they've been over for a very long time you don't tip a dollar on a drink anymore please tip by percentage don't be a dick um, what are some other ones? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're ordering off menu, you have to be practical. Mm-hmm. Don't order a Ramos Gin Fizz. If they can make it and they're kind enough of a, an angel to make one of those for you, you have to understand that you're now tipping 50%, please. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just asked for something that is very difficult to make. <laughs> and they were super kind to allow you to to allow you to imbibe on that particular drink. And then you don't have to open a tab, but don't open more than one tab. Mm-hmm. That's the yeah. thing that, like... It's funny that people don't realize that. Like, yeah, let me close on my tab. And then 10 minutes later, they're like, yeah, oh let me get a couple God. more beers. It's like, you, you were just here. Why did you 
Do you think they do that because they're, like, trying to, like, oh, I'm only going to have a couple or, you know? That can happen, sure. But, like, I think that it's less of a problem if you're, like, run it. I don't know if I'm staying and they're holding your card. If I'm at Grumpy's and I don't know, sometimes I'm like, I think this is going to be it. And then you come back and you're like, sorry, can you run it again? Or do you tell them to hold your card and then you run your tab and then you go outside and you come back in and you're like, can you start me a new tab? Oh, like, God, bro, you maddening. just closed your fucking tab. <laughs> it's a lot of minutia. And again, a lot of that is blissful ignorance. People just maybe don't consider the reality of what's happening and how you're complicating the bartender's life by adding these like little um, um, inconveniences to their day. Oh, God. But if someone can just extol like a couple four or five rules like that just to consider the one where honestly no one thinks to do it if someone's making a drink and you're like that that looks great honestly i would like one too just it's not rude to be like oh i'm a, i'm gonna get one too i'm the, they'll thank you every time mm-hmm. they'll thank you every fucking time mm-hmm. if you're standing at the bar and they're about to make something really complex for your friend and you're like well, hold on yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take one too double it and they're like yes okay thank you correct so mm-hmm. they're already shaking and you're like can you make me another yeah i guess <laughs> start back at zero you know yeah. you set the menu down before i started making this one <laughs> so what's the problem cocktails, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God, the contagious shit, man. A- mm. As as somebody <laughs> whose first bartending jobs were late '90s, early 2000s, man, those drinks that were for show and always tasted like shit. Oh my God, I fucking hate them all because that's as soon as they would go out, everybody would be like, "Can I change my drink order that you already have coming out to my table?" And now I want that thing. <laughs> And then immediately you're going to complain because it doesn't taste good. It's not oh, supposed to. Reason they call it the Ramos effect. Yeah, I oh remember that. I think it's the one and only time that Meteor in Minneapolis put a Ramos on their specialty menu. I was there with my client Falling Knife after like an all hands meeting and we just went there and drank and it was on the menu. And I, I love those fucking things. I love them. And they made like a cool one. And every time I crept up to the bar, I'm like, cause I'd say anybody want anything. They're like, Ooh, can I get that foamy fucking? So I walk up to the bar and I'd be like, you know, Hands like the paws, like the begging cat, you know, yeah. like <laughs> Rob, poor for four, four Ramoses. You'd be like, whew, like kind of grab his forearms. Like, here we go. <laughs> you did this to yourself, my friend. <laughs> the, I think three of my top five favorite freakouts from friends of mine at bars have been over the uh, close my tab, reopen my tab, oh. close my tab, reopen my tab. I know that that's something that most people that have never worked in the service industry think about, but oh my God. And it shows. It is absolutely a fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, we've, I've, I've had friends uh, throw out death threats to strangers. I, my all-time favorite one was a woman named Danielle who, I don't know if, if there's any chance, Danielle, that you listen to this show, please message us and let me know that you are doing well because I think about <laughs> this moment all the time. There's a, at my very first DJ residency, the VIP bar was directly behind my DJ booth. So there was about like a 12 to 14 foot uh, space. So if I wanted to grab another drink, even if it was just water, it was the easiest to just run there, grab it quick, come back. Because of that, sometimes during, if I was going to play a, a whole song, I would just kind of watch what was going on at the bar. And this guy, I found out later, it was two hours into full dance party, and this guy had opened and closed his tab five times. Mm-mm. And she was like, I need mm-hmm. you, like, if you're going to open a tab, open a tab, otherwise just go get cash. Number five is about time to leave, right. I think. 
So <laughs> five times. How many drinks is that? So he did it again. He closed out. He's like, no, I, I'm I'm good. And maybe five ten minutes later, I see him walking back up, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna put out a long song for this. Billy Jean, Michael Jackson, full thing, full <laughs> intro. Let's watch. <clears throat> and she saw him coming. And I, oh. I just, I love this because I love watching the wheels work. And I was like, oh, what is she going to do? <laughs> and so as he's talking to her, she filled an entire glass with ice water. And then she put a straw in it facing her. And she gave like the two fingers to the eyes and then pointed down at the drink. Like, hey, look down real quick. And he looks down and she's like, no, 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 get close. And he put his face like right up to the glass and she just blew as hard as she could into the straw and it just exploded water all over him. It was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. And she goes, I'm not giving you another drink until you go get some fucking cash or I keep your credit card until the end of the night. And he stormed off all mad. Like, oh, I'm going to fucking tell the owners. What a creative Amazing solution. Amazing. Amazing. Hopefully some of that water got in his mouth. It sounds like he probably needed some. Oh my God. I, I, watching that whole thing go down, I was like, that's wonderful. (laughs) And then I waited until he was gone. And then I had a second and I ran over and I was like, did you do that just to blow that up in his face? And she explained like what had happened. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I've seen it. Yeah. That was amazing. (laughs) Gave her a quick hug, ran back to the booth. Like if you go that far, for just like a fuck you, I'm all in. Here's here's all my money's. You're my hero. I will talk let's, about you till the let's ages. be honest. He was probably going that far for a fuck you because how do you do that? Right? Yeah. You know, like he knew he probably she probably knew because she was dealing with him all night that he was actually doing it on purpose. Well, and there is always an extra level. And uh, speaking as a member of the gross male species, there's always an extra level of misogyny when it comes to a, a woman behind the bar and a man who thinks he has money. Because mm-hmm. this was, I, I also want to reiterate, this was in that pre-mortgage collapse. Uh, everybody involved in real estate had a black card. Sure. You know, so this dude's like 24, and he's just oh, using house God. money to max out everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those same guys were coming back, you know, two, three years later and asking for barback jobs because everything was gone, and they had thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of credit card debt because they hadn't earned anything because the money was going to happen forever. But yeah, I, oh, that shit. Uh, so to get back to my question. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, I honestly, the thing that I would love to teach everybody is that when it's a shared walk space, walk with intention. Mm. And I guess, Becca, that goes a little bit off of what you said about just having like self-awareness of what's going on around you. But if you're going to, if you're going to merge onto the highway, you can't just walk or drive at whatever speed you want yeah. and then stop whenever you feel like it. And I understand that when you're in a, a half ton metal missile, that the stakes are a little bit different, but boy, the frustration is the exact same. Uh, when, when people, when you use the joke about people that can't drive and you apply it to people that can't walk in any public setting, that is the fastest way to get me to like lose my shit. Oh, God. <clears throat> the amount of people that will, like, look at somebody walking through with, like, you know, there's not as many of these restaurants anymore, but, the, like, the Perkins-esque spots that had the giant trays where there would be 10 ceramic dishes all loaded with food, <clears throat> and people would still choose to, like, get up and, like, put their coat on 
while the person is standing there because their time putting their coat on is way more important than oh, this don't worry. I'm sure that food. tray doesn't weigh 70 pounds. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. You sure. know what? If you don't want to hold that up anymore, then I guess go back to school and then buy a house instead of your avocado toast. <laughs> like that whole old people mentality of because I'm older, my time is more important than yours. Or I just literally don't care about anyone else around me. Oh God! I'm, this this world is too small. Everything that you do affects people around you. Yeah. So this weird ass individualism is a pride bullshit. Get the fuck out of here. It's wild. I've worked <clears throat> at so many different event driven venues, and the lack of awareness. You know, it's like, can we get our tab? The show we got to get to a show. It's like, oh, is there is there an event happening right now? You and all the other three thousand people here all need to be somewhere at the exact same time. So. It's just the self-importance is real tough. <clears throat> I had a, yeah. a woman threaten to kill me once because her heels were so high she didn't want to have to walk down the stairs. She wanted to take the elevator, but the elevator was broken. Yeah, that's your fault. <clears throat> and Literally, she was ready to, to stab me. And I'm like, I don't know what, what do you think would happen? Like, if I, if, is the blood of me going to like go in like all blade-esque and fill in the grooves of the Otis elevator. Damn, that'd be cool. And all of a sudden it, it illuminates and then now we finally wow. have the portal. So you get my head all these locks like <laughs> yeah, exactly. starting to turn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a, a Hellraiser uh, box-esque <laughs> thing like fun reps and then that's... Night Train in Vietnam music video. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Perfect. it starts. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that shit. I just can't. Like I... I Again, PSA, if you have anyone in your family, like if you've worked in the service industry or you spent time in bars and restaurants, you have people in your family like that, do not let it go. Let them know. Yeah. Let them fucking know. Teach the people in your world to be a little bit more aware. It'll make us all better. Can Everyone I, will be better. Can I add on something, too, is eye contact. That's a, mm. that's a big deal for me when I'm talking to somebody or, you know, when you are trying to grab somebody's order and they won't lock eyes with you, that's a, it's a pet peeve of mine. Sure. You can probably, you definitely understand the energy, too, if it's someone who's just, like, in an uncomfortable environment for them. Yeah. Or if it's someone who's flippant. Yeah. It's the flippant person that's like, yeah, give me four Ramoses. And they're, like, leaning <laughs> and they never look at you. Mm -hmm. like, All right. Uh, yeah. I would posit that at least half of the shallow-ass cowardly quote-unquote alpha males that I've had to come across with in the last 20 years are the ones that can't maintain eye contact while ordering a drink and they act like it's because they're too cool and literally they're they're that hollow inside mm -hmm. like I just have no interest in mm. any of that oh I don't talk to my servants I want to tack a small appendage onto your walking lane remark and say that standing space also mm, yes. the number of times that someone just like because their backs to me, they act like I am not standing behind them. <laughs> and I used to politely sort of move out of the way. Now I don't. Now I just kind of push my back up against yep. her and say, are you comfortable? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm comfortable. I didn't know there was a stool here. Is this okay for you? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> just, how do you do that? The, the lack of self-awareness where you could just put your boots right up to mine back to back and stand just there. I don't know if sometimes I'm like, does this person think that now I'm going to move and it's their space? Or are they literally just not aware that they're back-to-back -back with another human being. I, I, it happens a lot. It's, I, yeah. it's I did a, that. It's a weird phenomenon. I actually did that recently at a concert that I was at uh, in, oh, it always happens in St. Paul, Minnesota. Clusters of people will do that. Guy just kept backing up, and it got to the point where, it, like, he clearly felt that I was there, 
and just wanted, I guess, a little bit more room in front of him. So he kept pushing back, and I left my left foot where I had been originally standing, and I kept moving back. And finally, it got to the point where <clears throat> the front of my right shoe wasn't even parallel with the back of my left shoe. And then I actually pushed back, and he turned around, and he's like, what the fuck? I pointed out my left foot, and I was like, this is where I was standing when you started backing into me. This is where I am right now. If you have that much of a crush on me, I'm flattered, but I'm married. If you're just doing it because you're an asshole, fuck off. And we just had a staring contest, and he goes, sorry. And just moved one foot for, like forward. Halfway through the show, he starts backing up, and I'm like, no, we're not doing this again. And I just did not a flat palm, but I did five elongated fingers in his back, just so he knew this is where it is. And then finally, he moved over a little bit. But I'm like, what, do, what are you doing? Also, yeah. who backs up slowly at a concert? Like, if anything, you might push do. forward. Really? A lot of people do. I don't get it. I like to go forward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to feel like I'm getting more into the show, so maybe I'm leaning more forward. Problem is, no. it's usually a little cluster of people, and then there's the one person who feels like they don't really fit. So they kind of get in where they're between their friends and some other people and think that, if their friends aren't going to move, then the people behind me better. And I'm like, I've mm. been standing here for an hour. Please don't stand on my feet. You know, this isn't a daddy-daughter dance. Yes, right? yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, well, after all that vitriol, let's have some alcohol. Yes. Uh, so I, I tapped, uh, Charles, you did too, right? Yeah, I, I got something in my glass right now. So it's the, the Apalus Mezcal. Uh, so family-owned since 1862. Um, I would... Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's nowhere near as smoky as I thought it might oh. be. But um, I love the sweetness. I love how clean that finish is. And I do like that there is a little bit of like a funky smoke sort of on the, the, the exhale. Yeah, I'm trying to infer if some of that funk was left in my glass from the tequila, but there's a little bit in the beverage itself. So, yeah, yeah, it's nice. A lot of, that, a lot of depth. And I honestly, oh, I would love to make a drink with that. I love... What would you make with that? Well, see, I kind of want to go... Um, Becca, Charles, and I have talked about loving uh, slightly savory cocktails. Okay. So the first thing that I thought when I took a sip out of this was to do, um, like, the MSG dirty martini that we've talked MSG about. Martini, yeah. But with this. For where sure. I normally I would use sure. a gin or sometimes an acavi. Mm -hmm. I love the vegetal side of that, and I think between olive brine, pickle brine, and a little MSG, that that would really shine, and then there's a little sweetness underneath that. It would lift some characteristics, I think. Yeah. It would be interesting to play with. Either um, that, or I have, a, uh, I have a blackberry, raspberry, oh, sorry, blueberry, raspberry, strawberry, dill, shrub, working at home. And I kind of want to try that with this. Yeah, oh, I'm sticking with you guys. Yeah. That sounds delicious. The, uh, the shrub life is back. We're starting to get some decent fruit back in, in the Twin Cities here. And so I overbuy fruit all the time, uh, partly because they don't offer small containers of most fruits, uh, but also because like the shelf life is so short. So uh, we've talked about it before, but I will buy whatever fruit I think looks good, eat as much of it as I can, and then what I can't goes into a, a shrub with sugar and vinegar. Wow. And then that becomes what I mix with soda water yeah. or what I use as an additive for cocktails. Oh, and that's goes awesome. And then also I feel like, you know. Increasingly difficult to find good fruit. So if I see good blueberries, 
buying a bunch of those motherfuckers. It's part of the and reason they're in a shrub. They weren't great. The doc comes over. He gets a few. You know what I mean? They were the uh, they were the blueberries that looked great, but mm. they taste kind of chalky and like, they, like blueberry esque. Yeah, but not full blueberry. Totally. But the blackberries were banging, and the raspberries were banging. So there's only a few of those berries in there. And then the strawberries by the pound or by eight ounces were the same price. And I don't, I don't know how that works in the world. But I was like, cool. Well, I only need half of this. So then the other half can go in there. Yeah. God, and then, you, either strawberries are getting worse or I'm becoming more of an asshole because I feel like I can't find good strawberries anymore. Well, what, what's yeah. happening there? Like, I've been I cutting into mine and they're like white on the inside. Not yeah, fully ripe. Not, and, they're not. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to have to macerate this to enjoy it. Can I just eat a strawberry? They're just lab-grown, right. I think, at this point. A lot of them. Well, I've, we're not going to get into all of it, but I have a friend who works in produce that is explaining to me that some of the issues with, like, shipment and cost and um, all those dynamics is resulting in, like, worse fruit getting shipped to us because there is no other choice. But I won't get into yeah. all the whole conversation he gave me, but it was actually pretty illuminating. Like, oh, that makes sense, because I was like, hey, why can't I get good strawberries, you piece of shit? And he's like, I didn't order your strawberries for you, first of all. Well, I, I also hold tab, to... It's tabbed. Hey, Tab. Hey, Tab. <laughs> what up, Tab? I also hold to... I, I would rather have less things, but have the things that I can get my hands on be good. And there's part of the, part of the reason that, like, my Scandinavian people don't have the best history with food is because it's also very hard to get fresh food previous to industrial revolution shit it, it was hard to get stuff so you made the best with what you can and now i think we have the opposite where we have we have everything at our fingertips but nothing's really great you know like our protein mm -hmm. i'll put against anybody like we live protein's in the, gotten better yeah protein's gotten better but you still like, get good raspberries but produce in the winter that. and fruit in the winter is, is sure bad yeah. so yeah okay you're number three i believe yeah fucking hey do, do, do. All right, so Becca, do you have a favorite of the? Wait, have you have you tried? I the haven't soda tried yet? that okay. one yet. I'm All gonna right. get to that one next. Okay. All right, so number three. Uh, <laughs> we've all gotten older. We're all of mm. of a certain age. How uh, did we get older? All right, we've gotten married, <laughs> and we've gotten a little bit more settled. Sure. Uh, there's still a wanderlust that. I think sits very prominently in all three of us. But I would say as somebody that I've known since our early twenties that you feel more settled. I know I do. And Charles, even in the time that I've known you, I feel like you have settled into your, your home as like, this is, this is the jam. This is the fam. Uh, what is something that you didn't give a fuck about in your twenties that you actually care about when it comes to like what you consider home mm. or like your home base? What is something that you didn't care about in your 20s that actually means a lot to you now or that you think about more that you never would have thought of at that age? Ooh, that's and a good question. It's kind of deep. So if you want to think about it, like we can kick it. So I think, so I've got an answer and it's not necessarily like an item as it is like a routine. That's fine. Yeah. That's I, uh, I think that just because for the last 11 years I've been sort of dissecting what home is and how it flows uh, naturally. So we've got the layout thing down. But I think the biggest thing that I never really considered uh, is, like, how I unwind mm. when I get home, sure. you know? So, like, how I switch from business owner, 
you know, back into this other role that I have now, right? So, like, I, I'm, like, very selfish about it. I get home. I, like, shut myself in my room. I take my time. I change. I got, my, like, my home cozies that I slip on. I get my slippers. And I just, like, take, like, five to ten before I, like, get out there, you know? So I think that that's, like, I carve out, uh, like, a certain, like, little meditative transition time that I never did in my 20s. Is it just... Is it, a, is it a conscious thought while you're doing it, or is it just a, like a subconscious, I'm just going to give myself a second to go, like sort of the, the Clark Kent to Superman in reverse? Yeah. Where, or, or honestly, like, I mean, as a mom, like maybe you are going from Clark Kent at work to Superman at home. Yeah, and to, to be honest with you, it is intentional, and I think it was because I was having like a difficulty like transitioning, you know, it was like going from like, this like high D boss, you know, uh, mentality and personality to like, I need to be a little bit softer. I need to be patient. I need to be present, you know? So that was like, that was something that's really kind of helped me, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. Also for all of our listeners, I wasn't trying to be like ridiculous on the gender on that one. I just literally cannot remember uh, Superwoman's non superhero name. So I blanked on that one. So I just went with Clark Kent because that was the tear off the work clothes totally. and then have the costume underneath. So that was the intention of it. Uh, just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, but I, I actually hadn't even pondered that side of it, but like, what do we give ourselves to separate like mm-hmm. the, the work world and the home life? That's actually kind of, did you used to struggle with that more? You would just not be able to shake out of your work personality when you were at home. Yeah. I think of. I was, you know, I, I like, I pride myself on being able to like to do all of it. Yeah. And, um, I think that for me to be able to navigate doing all of it well, I have to be intentional about that transition yeah. and where before I was like, I kind of, I never that level of self-aware. I never really sure. gave myself in like that, that home setting. So that's something I'm doing a lot more of now. That's rad. Yeah. I like, I'm going to try and think about that more when I'm, cause I do, I, I change when I get home. Like it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It, like listeners, if you don't do it, let me get, get some you, sweats. Let me get, get some, you yeah. some gym shorts. Yeah. Like yeah. what those slippers do, you know? No, that's, that's poignant. I, used to work way too much and I started to draw a line. Um, I would say that I've left money, a lot of money on the table to also be a human being, Mm -hmm. but that is so much more valuable is maximizing on your income potential when you're working and then just stop fucking working. Uh, I do very little work at night. If anything, my mind never stops when it comes to my creative pursuits. So of course I'm, I'll do conceptualizing and things like that working, you know, pop open my notepad and, and write Isn't things down. Isn't it so down. easy? It's like the hand just kind of creeps sure. over and but, grabs it, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I, I massively prefer that to sleeping on the couch in my office or going home and flipping open the laptop and just getting back to work. Like, the work's never done. Yeah. That, that mentality of, okay, when you're done working, you're done working. And there's something to be said for also the phase shift where you're also embodying your work personality for your other tasks but like being, you know, a chameleon, like you're, you're a different person when you're not working than you are when you're working. And I've told Kwame about this, how I'm a chameleon because business Charles at Patmos Design is not the same Charles that's here tonight. Nor should he be. Absolutely. So, you know, different personalities for different uh, uh, 
positions. And then when you're home, like, can I just be, can I just be myself now? Can yeah, I? I mean, like, Becca at work, and I do a ton mm-hmm. of consulting too, is not going to have a nerf war with my clients, but I'm going to do that with my kid, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, he needs me to wear a different hat, so. 100%. Note to Becca, yeah. maybe try a nerf war at work. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. As somebody who has shown up at work and handed a coworker a nerf gun and said, you have Stop five it. seconds, run. Oh, my God, that's so it's rad. It, you get a wildly different response from people. You know what? My sister was just in town, and she is such a fun aunt to my son. We did the Quiet Place Nerf War. Yeah. That was Oh, my God. That's next, such a great idea. That was next oh, level. Nerf War. Nerf War. Yeah. Like, so you're blindfolded, yeah. and the only yeah. person with a gun is blindfolded. Okay. And everybody else quietly <laughs> moves around. So you're waiting shit. to hear the noise and shoot it. Yeah, yeah. and then shoot it. Yeah. 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 My kid got it the worst. He couldn't be quiet, but it was just like, it was <laughs> or you could, so much fun. Or Last of Us. It could yeah. be also the Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The clickers. <laughs> a little more, yeah. Yeah. A little more topical, right? Holy shit. That's a great... I've never thought that's about fun. that. Oh, it was a fucking and blast. the minute you said it, yeah. I could immediately imagine exactly yeah. how that goes down. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yep. I mean, honestly, like Charles, I, I, I don't know if I've told you this. I hope I have, but I've I've tried to take some inspiration from your talking about actively separating those two things, because which things work and work and, in life. yeah and yeah. life yeah. Yeah, yeah and I don't I've I, I have always been awful at that. Uh, because I don't like, you know, going back to even like the metaphor of most DJs have like a fake DJ name. I never had a nickname because it was always me. Like there's no, I don't need, I don't need like a fake name to pretend I'm somebody else to like stand up in front of people and yell a whole bunch and play a bunch of music. Uh, I also have tried for better or for worse to just be like who I am at work and at home. And the problem is when, when it's just me, I don't really care that much about my personal life because it's all sort of this weird, slutty back and forth of everything kind of overlaps. And it wasn't until I got divorced and I took some looks at myself and then I met this incredible woman and we got serious and seeing her ability to separate. Yeah. Like I still have to be reminded of that. And, you know, I mean, if Jenny was sitting here right now, she would tell you that she worked for six hours over the weekend. And there are plenty of nights where I'll cook her dinner and then she goes back and she works until 9.30 or 10 and she falls asleep. But those are, those, that's not how she defines her life. And I feel like sometimes I've blurred the lines so much that it is. And I've tried to, like, reclaim that a little bit. Sure. But... um as far as like the actual question that I asked, um, I think that for me, it's, it's honestly that we, we've talked about on the show before that when, when Derek made you a suit, Charles, that you just felt better, you felt different yep. when you walked out in that right. suit. And Jenny has taught me that about our house. Where... Dude, you just reverse sniped me because I was supposed to answer the question second. Oh, well, I thought... No, keep going. No, <laughs> no you got it. Okay. Already... All right. If I've already sniped, I'll snipe. 
You had to do that to snipe me. That's literally <laughs> I snipe alert. Press a button. I don't know which one. The cheers. <laughs> which one did you press? That trombone. <laughs> oh, that's good. That was just For a me. guess. That was just that a guess. <laughs> so I have that guy. I have sound effects right here, and I know what two of the buttons do. I never remember what the rest of them do. So sometimes we'll just randomly pick a button. We've always said we want to reprogram that. Yeah. But it's funnier this we way. We just actually. haven't done it. So at some point, <laughs> just yell a color of the squares, and I'll just hit it. Okay. If you, if you need a, a hit, we can do that. Perfect. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I didn't, I always thought going back my entire twenties, literally until going back to college, honestly, Mm -hmm. through my twenties until I moved back to Minnesota at the very end of my 30th into my 31st year on this planet. I always thought that like the thing that I provided was like the hospitality and the party. So it didn't matter, like, how shitty my place was. Like, you were going to have a good time because there was going to be good tunes, there would be good food, there would be good drink, and we'd have fun, you know. We'd talk a bunch of shit, probably packs of cigarettes would get smoked, you know, like, whatever. And <clears throat> what I realized was I was over-focusing on that because I, I didn't feel pride in just, like, the place that I lived. And... When you're sad about that, you'll find every reason on earth to, like, not think about the thing that you're embarrassed about. You'll just focus on other shit. At least that's how my brain works. And uh, what I realized after building a house together with my wife was I feel an immense amount of pride when people walk in and they see our dining room table that my wife designed, that we built together uh, the chairs that she picked out, the way the whole place looks. And then because of that, I am not a, a clean person. I'm not a gross, like, dirty dishes piling up and things rotting. But I am like a, I'll toss my clothes wherever they go. Tidy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not tidy. There's nothing mm-hmm. tidy about me. And she has literally shown me how much better I feel when I do have a clean house Mm -hmm. and I love I never ever ever would have dreamed caring about that when when my wife met me this is embarrassing to admit and I honestly am mortified that I'm saying this out loud but when my wife met me I had a metal frame bed I had one nightstand that I had bought for five dollars at a thrift shop and my closet was literally a rolling clothes rack that was just in my bedroom now, part of that was because I had gone through a divorce and I had burned a bunch of shit. But let's be real. I had plenty <laughs> of opportunity to buy other shit. This is a tale yeah. as old as time. Yeah. yeah. I had a very comfy couch. I had an even comfier easy chair that didn't remotely match. Sure. I had a great fucking TV. Yeah. I had beautiful fucking three-foot-tall Yamaha speakers. And I had a pretty good-looking kitchen set. Yeah. But the actual place that my body resided... A third of the time on earth mm-hmm. was at best a bad green room in a shitty music club in a small town <laughs> somewhere on the Mason Dixon. You paint a beautiful picture. You know, like that's that's <laughs> yeah. what I I yeah. was like, yes, come on over, hang out, let's do this. And I remember the first morning after Jenny stayed over for the first night, I woke up and in Minnesota, I, don't, I, I found out that this is not the case everywhere in the country. In Minnesota, the first Wednesday of every month, they test out the tornado sirens. The street pole... That's not a thing anywhere? No. Huh. That, that is... The first Wednesday of the month is Minnesota only. Yeah. No one knows what the fuck you're talking about. 
Really? Yeah, because when you go, is it the first Wednesday of the month and a tornado siren is going off yeah. in another state? They go, it's not Wednesday, and what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so just a way of throwing that out just for everybody. The chili cheese burrito does not exist in Taco Bell outside of Minnesota and the first Wednesday of the month. I am blown away. I did not know either of those facts. <laughs> no, yeah, there you go. That either. <laughs> That's some Homer yeah. shit right there. But the, the street pole that has the siren was four feet out of my bedroom window. We let's just say we stayed up late. We'll leave it at that. Uh, so sleep was still happening in the late morning, and siren goes off, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" I completely forgot to tell her. Holy shit, this is terrible. Nope, she's still passed out. And then I looked around my room, and there's just clothes everywhere. The sun was shining. Yep, the sun's shining through all the windows. There's an alarm, like. Going off right outside the window, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at a clothing rack. A scene in four year old version yep, or something. That has 17, yeah, 17 <laughs> to 20 empty hangers, three hangers that have something on it, sure. and then all of the that, all the rest of the clothes spread around, and then like a pile of clean underwear and socks right next to the hamper with the dirty underwear. And I, I was just sitting there like, oh my God. There's Oops. no there's no way. She wakes up <laughs> yeah. and like that's it. You, you did a good job. There we go. There's, nice to know you, you had one night. Uh, and she was like, in spite of all this, <laughs> I'm going to keep hanging out with you. for a little I still want to hang out yep. with you. Yeah. And uh, I, I... You're like, w- I'm trainable. <laughs> yeah. When I'm at my worst, I still think about that moment. Yeah. Of like looking around at this gorgeous human being. That's a great memory, though. That is sleeping you know? next to me. And literally, there's a siren going off. It's not a mental yeah. siren. There's literally yeah. a siren going off in my ears. <laughs> You're like, it's Wednesday. Don't worry. <laughs> As I'm looking yeah. around at my life, and I'm like, Happy Wednesday. How, what? Mm-hmm. How? 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 Did you still go like, yep, all right, this guy's pretty all right. Like, it isn't a warning. Get out of the room. Wake up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, like, I jokingly think about that moment on a regular basis as like, hey, I don't know if we could be any more transparent. Fix your shit. And then you start doing a couple more things for yourself. You start taking care of yourself a little bit better. You start looking for a few more things. You start making things match. And then it was her vision of actually seeing how well things go together that now, you know, 10 plus years later, I feel like I'm starting to get through osmosis where I'm starting to understand design a little bit better. And now I feel like I can dress myself pretty well. I always could do that. But now I feel like I can, I can make a room look pretty nice. Not as good as she can. Probably not as good as you can, Becca. But I can still, <laughs> like, I can make a thing look nice. I could pick furniture that isn't horribly garish. The only thing that I will always ask for is a deep couch because I'm very tall. And, yeah. And shallow-ass Scandinavian couches. Fuck y'all. Gotta love a deep couch. So uh, instead of sniping you, Charles, or yeah. because I sniped the you. The only way you could stop me from sniping you is by sniping me. Snipe the snipe? I like how we all went home. Yeah. Snipe the snipe. I, I like how we all went home. But my answer, I felt like it was a spoiler even when you presented it the way that you did. I, it's, a, it's a similar answer, but I have lived alone for a very long time uh, prior to moving in with Marnie. And I always looked at my home as my barracks or my quarters. Sure. And they were perfectly clean and tidy. And I loved to host, but never cared about my surroundings. So if we were ever, if there was ever 
reason for people to observe my adobe, it was because we were like having a bottle share or I was cooking dinner for some friends or I was entertaining a love interest. But I never, despite all that, I just, I never made the connection that I should care about my living quarters other than a place to lay down my head. Mm. It was like, this is my permanent hotel. Spend very little time here, sleeping in my office, things like that. Always out and about doing things seven nights a week. Gonna work all day, out seven days a week. And then I come home to maybe make myself a meal, go to sleep. Like that's the way I always looked at the places I lived. And I think that I didn't have a great sense of what home meant for my entire life. And so it never mattered to me until it was properly contextualized for me. So I didn't care. Like it didn't, it never meant anything to me. And I had, you know, love interests that would sometimes remark like, you know, you can make it tidier if you did this or this, or, or you can make it like more comfortable rather. You know, I had some art on my walls and things like that because I'm an art person. So I had that part taken care of. Of course, I had like the entertainment center figured out had the nice kitchen with all the tools that I require, no dirty dishes in the sink. You know, Mm -hmm. it was always like fine, but I was never able to contextualize that as somewhere that um, I go to be comfortable. I never wanted to go home to be comfortable. I always wanted to go somewhere else to be comfortable. That's so interesting. I haven't, I haven't thought about that until right now, but I, yeah, that's it. I, 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 even as you were saying, stating your point, I felt like you probably felt similarly to me, but I never felt like I wanted, I could go home to make myself feel happy, safe, or calm. Home wasn't where I ever identified with where I wanted to be to feel the the best. No, the only thing about my, my, it it would be like a pet. That would be the only thing. Like lucky when I got lucky. That would be like the one comfortable thing in my house that made me feel some sense of, of like emotive, Home happiness. And when Marnie and I decided to move in together, even at first it didn't really compute. It was more like, let's get cool furnishings, which I'm all about. Let's get cool furnishings. But I wasn't able to see the full picture of making it personal and making it warm and cozy and comfortable. And when that started coming together, it took a while, honestly, like, here's a dynamic, and I bet a lot of people listening can connect to this. When you get a new place, and I moved a lot through my adult life. I moved out in my teens, and I moved many, many times. I'm telling someone recently that I, I moved annually forever. It takes a long time for your toilet to feel like it's your toilet and not like you're shitting in someone else's toilet. I agree. It's weird, <laughs> but it's a dynamic, and I experienced it. So that, that like, dynamic takes a month. So even in our home, as we nested in, it took a solid year for me to feel like sitting in my living room felt not like as comfortable as I was in other places, but that I felt like this is my home. I can feel warm here. I can bump up the heat and grab a blanket. That was something that took a long time to form in my brain. My brain didn't make that connection until a solid year in. And it's progressed since then in the six years that we've been living in our home that we're in now. But it took Marnie being part of the equation for us to build a home together and to have our pets with us. For me to feel like now, today, modern day, I often feel like I can't 
wait to get home because I've had my experience and now I got to get to my safe space. And I never felt like that in the probably 12 places I lived before. I never felt like I'm going back to a place that um, in any way I felt like I can't wait to get back to. I couldn't, I, I couldn't wait to not go home. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I want to go home. So that's something definitely is as I've become like a real full formed adult that that is my space now. And I feel like when I'm there, this is my place. This is, I'm comfortable here. I'm safe here. Yeah. I'm happy and warm here. Can, Becca, can I ask, like, I, you don't have to get super in depth, but like, did you, did you like when you were a kid slash high school, mm-hmm. like, did you feel like your home unit? Like, did you have, like, this is where I'm at. Like I'm a, happy home or like whatever yeah uh no not really um child of divorce Mm -hmm. we moved around a lot and i think that charles to your point is that like finding roots and feeling grounded was like i think sort of you know by accident my driving force and passion for what i do now um so that's, that's actually why I wanted to ask. Yeah. Like it kind of starts to make sense Yeah, that I would love, like I love going to people's houses and cooking a warm meal because it makes me feel like, Oh, this is like a happy home. Yeah. If I do that. And I got to imagine on like a grander sense, like what you're doing is you're building somebody. Yeah. You're showing them what like a dream life could be. It's, it's really funny because so I, I always push for, an entire home to be staged. And the reason I do that is because not only it it markets better, but I always want, especially there's certain demographics and certain neighborhoods where, you know, the buyer is likely to be a family. And I just like, I always tell them like, we want the kids to be excited, you know, it's like, like this one's my room, you know? So I like, I really love that narrative and that part of design where I like, I really lean into youth spaces and I love designing that. I think probably a little bit because of like my own, childhood but yeah i think it's there's something about roots and home that just it's important i i literally think my entire 20s i was just cosplaying like my my first my first like home post college was a house that my girlfriend's mother owned it was a beautiful house there's nothing wrong with the house you felt like you were in someone else's but house. i was 100 percent in somebody else's house like we had the master bedroom was in the basement, and then there was, like, sort of a living oh, area. Were you literally in someone's house? Yeah, like, my... Oh, okay. Mom. No, I didn't know if she owned it or if she was there. No, she owned <laughs> okay. the house. So it was me and my girlfriend, and then my girlfriend's sister and her now husband, at the time boyfriend, lived upstairs. Uh, so, I, like, you know, it wasn't, like, our own space. And then... Uh, so there's a very distinctive reason why you felt like you couldn't make yourself super correct yep (laughs) and then the apartment that i lived in for eight years on the 20th floor overlooking the mississippi river with my my good friends dave and jess uh we had djs or bands staying with us almost every weekend so i was a flop house situation oh yeah it was a flop house slash i was overseeing it was posh as fuck but i 100 percent understand when like artists live in hotels for a long time that's basically what it was uh, I just got paid to sort of be the manager of it, like doing the laundry and cleaning the bathroom and doing all that. And then I got to live in this bomb ass apartment. And then uh, my ex-wife and I, the place that we got together was owned by another friend of ours. And like two of the rooms, he just left his shit there. So like, no matter what, we could never pretend like it was fully ours. Right. Because his shit was always there. 
And so coming out of same thing, childhood divorce and never feeling comfortable. Like my mom did a great job of making our house feel warm. We were always the house that like if people didn't have family around, you could come on over for Thanksgiving or Christmas. <clears throat> but that, it, I, I, I didn't want to be home. I wanted to be somewhere else. And I always sure. felt more comfortable cosplaying yeah. in other people's yep. homes sure. until but, uh, I met Jenny. And every place that we've lived, we've lived longer than the previous before it. So when we met, we lived in her apartment. Like when I moved out of my place, we lived in her apartment for six months, maybe even less actually, maybe like four months. Then we, we bought a house and we lived there for two or three years. And then we got an apartment and lived there for almost four and now we've been in our house in Robbinsdale for five. And each yeah. place, it's felt more like home where I felt roots. Even though they move, the roots are digging into a, like a metaphorical soil that I feel a little bit more. And I now literally feel like for the first time in my life, I feel like this is home. And it's got nothing to do with the house. It's wherever we go, sure. we'll set it up. Sure. But that's home. Yeah. Uh, Becca, has your vocation changed? How, like what a sense of home means to you? Because you're cultivating a sense of home for others. Do you feel like that's also modified your perception or your expectation for what home feels like to you? Yeah, uh, yeah I have this super unrealistic expectation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody can live in, like, a perfectly staged house, right? Sure. So, like, tidy. Like, you know, that's tough for me because, like, you know, we got the down pillows. We do the chop. The the throw is strategically placed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, um, sorry, give me, give me the question one more time. I kind of like, like for, for better or worse, has yeah. your vocation changed what the dynamic of home feels like to you? Oh yeah. I think that like, okay, thank you. I, I think that like good design makes everybody feel comfortable, you know? Mm. So I think that, um, I really enjoy, like, you know, I can appreciate, like, the ethos of different, like, types of aesthetic, but, like, what's changed for me is that I really appreciate the blend because I think that's, like, where everybody feels comfortable. You know, there's, sure. like, a little bit of something for everyone, yeah. and that's, I think, what sets my work apart, you know, um, from other companies, too, but I, I bring that right home with me, for sure. Sure. Ooh, Charles, which one? You go into the subtle? Yeah. I just poured a little bit more of that uh, postimo, and man, I, I really kind of love that tequila. I love that because we have Sotol and also Mezcal, I love that that tequila has that funky side of it because I feel like it plays better with these two. I'm really enjoying this. Isn't mezcal. that good? I, I was like, oh, you know, it's like the scotch and tequilas. I don't know if I'm doing that, but like, I really like that. I, uh, uh, well, I, I'll give him props. Uh, my homie Tom at Westside Liquors uh, on Minnetonka Boulevard in Texas Avenue. I think it's Texas Avenue, not Texas Road, in, uh, in Minnetonka in the Twin Cities here. Uh, it's an absolutely gorgeous space. And then they have a cheese and wine shop uh, right next door. Well, I guess the wine is there. It's like a cheese and deli side. Uh, in the same strip mall as uh, the St. Louis Park Revival Fried Chicken, which actually reminds me that it is Minnetonka Boulevard, but it's St. Louis Park. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's phenomenal. 
And uh, Tom and I worked together uh, at uh, an ill-fated restaurant years ago. But what I've loved about my time in ill-fated restaurants is there's always a few humans that you keep with. Yep. When you, when you go through something that's gloriously going down in flames, uh, it teaches you kind of who some real people are. And, uh, and, and Tom's a real dude. And West Side Liquor is absolutely amazing. And as soon as I told him what we were talking about drinking tonight, that was what he suggested. He's like, yeah. just, just nice. see. Because I had said that you weren't a huge Scotch fan, so I didn't want to go super smoky. Yeah. And he, he suggested that. So, dude, you nailed it, brother. Yep. Love you. Thank you. Uh, it's also important for people to understand, overall, there is a little bit of a, um, a misnomer that all mezcals are really smoky. And Becca, maybe you, you don't try a lot of them because you think that you're going to get that. So you don't, it's not like you're going to a sampling and you can just, as a right. crapshoot, if you're bringing one home, you're like, right. I don't know, who, who knows? And an expensive like, crapshoot at that. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And but I think that clean. like in my youth, you know, we weren't drinking really expensive stuff. So it was sort of like pure gasoline. For sure. <laughs> you know, that smoky gasoline. So I think I kind of mm. just like associated that. Why does that still sound good to me? <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, <laughs> Our jazz punk combo, Smoky Gasoline. <laughs> we're playing at the Dakota, an early show on Friday, and then we're closing it down from midnight to two. We're not going to be able to do this podcast with all the bands I got. <laughs> okay, topic number four. Let's go. This is, a, this is very straightforward. Becca, name a social media pet peeve. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, there's so many. There's uh, so many. Okay, I've got one. I really... I have a really hard time with the videos. Oh, cheers. Sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. oh sorry. Cheers. Hate to cut you off. Cheers. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a really hard time with the videos where people set the camera up and you can tell they're alone and like they're either like having this like emotional conversation <laughs> yeah. with the camera because then I like, I don't know, I can't get. Probably because I've, like, tried and failed at social media so many times myself. Like, I just, like, I know the, the work that goes into the editing of it. Uh-huh. And I can't, like, stop thinking about, like, the, the behind-the-scenes piece, <laughs> you know? So I think it's, like, those monologues where someone's, like, walking in the woods and they're, like, holding their phone up around the street. Like, I just... I, I can't. It's the self-awareness, <laughs> I think. I just, like, it's so cringy. So I you don't. can't suspend your disbelief. You're breaking the immersion. You're like, no, this, the emotional song wasn't there when you were walking through the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, and like, you know, when somebody, like, is dancing at their little robot. Like, I just can't. Yeah. I can't handle it. It's a huge pet peeve of mine. What about you? Do you want me to go? I'll go. Sure. Uh, because... This one drives me fucking insane. Every time I see it, it drives me nuts. Because a lot of them, you're like, ah, it's dumb. But <sighs> I got a lot of food porn on my Instagram feed because I love food porn. Yeah. Creating it, observing it, uh, everything involved with it. Why do people cook and temp a piece of meat perfectly and then squeeze all the juice out of it on camera? Every I can't fucking, fucking understand. I've never thought about it like that, but yes. Dude, oh my god! <laughs> it, it, I watch like someone cut oh. this beautiful brisket that they've taken probably two days to prepare from beginning to end. Is it? The and I'm like, don't, pr- squeeze, it it. don't squeeze it. Don't squeeze it. Don't squeeze it. Don't squeeze it. Don't, 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 don't squeeze it. Why are you fucking squeezing it? it Why look, are you squeezing? If you cut off a single little piece, 
and you gave it a little squeeze, like Gross. okay, whatever, and then just eat it right away. We I'm can not, tell. We can tell when you cut it. But oh my we god, when tell. they when they do the the full hand, the mitten grab Especially of the biscuit, try, you can see you can see they're like really giving it. Oh my god, I'm not like gonna be able to with his Quam with yeah. his uh, stress ball in his car today. <laughs> yeah. Like when they're squeezing it so hard, and I'm like. What are you Dude, doing? there was barely anything in there, and now to prove to me that it was the yeah. proper cook, you just spilled out what little juice it. was remaining. Absolutely baffles me. I don't know why that. And also, there's a part of poor kid in me that's like, sure, you made one steak for the video, but you're actively ruining it so that you can make a nice video. I I can't I can't connect with that on any level. I'm not more. I'm not more turned on by your food porn mm -hmm. because you sprayed the juices in it because now I know no one's going to enjoy it. Not, at least not as much, not nearly as much. That shit drives me fucking crazy. That's it. Kills me. <laughs> uh, I, I, would, I would absolutely agree with you, and I'm glad that I did my usual daily double because I knew you were going to snipe one of them. Did I get you? My, well, mine was going to be like any time that anybody cooks anything, they absolutely smash it into I got the camera. Because okay. they do it for Tiny. burgers, they do it for sandwiches yeah. and shit. Like, yeah. I see it a lot in sandwiches. Yeah, like I've yeah. never, I've never wondered if the, I could squish well, the sandwich. Like, what are you sandwich? doing? But my I'll other smash thing, it with my teeth. My my <laughs> other thing is yes. <laughs> I also want to just again for the t-shirts. I'll yeah. smash that with I'll my smash teeth. Smash it with my teeth. Uh, as somebody who who really. I, I take a lot of pride in like how I write things. So when I, when I get mad about something or when I get passionate about something, I will write from my heart, but I'll still edit it before I post it. The thing that drives <laughs> me the most fucking crazy, and it's always when they're driving, is the people that want to go live or they want to record a video yep. about something they're mad about, but they want it to be like, just off the dome, you know, I'm just thinking about this. So they hit record. And they're not looking at the camera. And they'll be like, hey, everybody, what's going on? Nicole here again. You know what's up. Smash the like button. Anyway, so I was just thinking, oh, hold on. Get out of the way. Anyway, so I was thinking yeah. about, like, okay, my kid, right? He had homework last night, and it was two books. And you know what those two books don't do? They don't fit in my kid's back. Oh, hold on. Go! Sorry, what were we even talking about? Oh, that's pretty. Anyway, so oh, no. yeah. So anyway, my son's school. Like, I don't. Who? This is an insult. If I knew you and we were friends, yeah. if I had an emotional connection to you, I would already hang up the phone. Yes, I would be absolutely not. We're not talking anymore. We're done. Call me back when you have something that you want to talk about. Yes. When you're putting it out to everyone that you might know at the same time. I don't know what you think that says about you, but it's not that you have anything together, that you have anything to say, or that you're remotely intelligent. All I read from that is I'm literally so bored that I want to bore other people around me. Just nothingness into the void. Like, I can't stop vomiting nothingness mm -hmm. because that makes me feel better than my own life. Right. I hate that so fucking much. If you want to write a long piece say something. If you want to talk directly to people and say something, great. I don't even care if in your car is your only chance to do it because you have five litters of children. Okay. Maybe pull over. Think about it. Yeah. Write it out. Mm -hmm. Talk it through. And then say it to people. I, I cannot. 
I cannot deal with that. And I have, I will, Becca, I will admit, I am terrible enough. I hate follow like five people solely because they do this. Yeah. Because it fuels me. But you watch it all, don't you? I watch it all. I watch it all. See, I have a real estate agent that I am obsessed with. (laughs) I am obsessed with. When we're done, you got to tell me. 100% will. And I will show you some videos. Okay. They, uh, They have maybe double digit followers yeah. and they put out multiple videos every day, which lets me know you're not selling any houses. Right. Um, but it also baffles me at, I have another friend of mine who is in the real estate industry and we talk about this on a regular basis. I'm like, who is watching this? And is yeah. like, that's the person I want to work with because the content is completely vapid. And at this point, I also think their children are the ones who have to hold the camera. Oh, God. Like these like second and third graders yeah. have to just sit there holding the camera while, while, while their parent probably has to screw this up a few times too. Yeah. Uh, and then like, oh, no, we got to do it over. Got to do it over. So like that shit also drives me crazy. But the live video oh, where I couldn't, I, can't. I couldn't even be bothered to give you the attention, but I want you all to listen to me. No, let, no, no, Let no, me no, ask no. you this. Have you ever walked out of a movie? Uh, only once in my life. Okay. Which, so, movie, which movie was it? Uh, I, I don't want to say because the person who oh. I walked out on, it had partially to do with the company. Oh, there were okay. circumstances. There were circumstances. So I sat through Dukes of Hazard with <laughs> Jessica Simpson. Mm. And, and I, I mean, like, it's, it's and I swore at the end of it, I was like, never again. So if there is, like, something that I am, like, viewing that I think isn't going to turn around, I'm fucking out of there. Mm. And so, like, so when I see somebody going live, you know, or that particular type of scenario, I am, I'm, like, scrolling. That's it. I'm done. That's like a drink. You don't want to finish. Just don't finish it. Yeah. That's another thing we learn as adults. You don't want to finish it. You don't want to finish your cigar. You don't want to finish your drink. You don't want to finish your sandwich. Don't finish it. It's okay. Just leave it. You don't have to. Yeah. What? I guess the, the point that I will say is that a lot of times I will cancel out of that, but I won't unfollow because the hate follow, the schadenfreude is real. It's, I, I, oh, I don't wait, care. What is that phrase? Schadenfreude, it's, hate uh, following, it's yeah. finding joy in somebody else's misery. Oh my God. But they don't know. I, don't, I have to come up with a different uh, they're word. Not, they're not necessarily, it could be someone who's doing really well for themselves, but sometimes you follow someone and you're like, this is so bad. It's good. You yeah, know, I love, well, I love how bad this the is. actual term. The actual term Schadenfreude bad. is joy in somebody else's misery. Oh my god! But uh, here's something cool. We got a beer coming out at Falling Knife next week called Freudenfreude, and which means it means finding joy in others' joy. <laughs> a term that I have not stopped using since I heard it at yes. Falling Knife Brewing. Yes, it's a. Which, isn't it a fucking a, awesome thing? Freudenfreude literally means. It makes me happy to know that you're happy, and I love that. Yes, like fine. It, it's something like it's like you know gassing up your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of people. There's like a little bit of, uh, um, um, the the dynamic of someone's doing well, and you're like that's cool, but you're not really as into it as you should be. But it's that like someone else is joyful. Why why aren't you sharing in yeah. their joy? It's a super cool thing, it's, it's and it's cool that everyone knows Scheidenfreude, but not everyone knows that Freudenfreud. Mm-hmm which is an even cooler thing to say, is a very real thing. The, awesome. the difference with both of those terms is that it's not, the people that are, that are posting those videos aren't, they're not sad. 
there's something like I don't I have to turn off curb your enthusiasm after an episode because it's too cringe for me. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, those videos I can do all day, and they're more cringe on many different levels but than it's, anything but it's that more Larry fascinating, does. Yeah, I think. like I am, I am one hundred percent fascinated by that. Yeah, uh, but that that's that's my thing is if you're gonna put out content, give it some thought, mm-hmm. and if you're not good at riffing off the fucking dome, don't do it. Well, and it just and that like goes back to like the editing piece. Like, don't do you think that they watch them? I I'm always baffled by that. Yeah, we. Like you felt good about that. At, at the Bruce Springsteen concert. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just going to also say, like, do your thing. Oh, so like, you totally. know I mean? If you're sure. comfortable with it and it's working for you, then mm-hmm. fuck it. But it doesn't mean that Quam's not going to watch your video and be like, what are you doing? The fuck? <laughs> Here's a great example. And I gave her props in my post about this. There was a woman at the Bruce Springsteen concert. There was a woman three rows in front of me that recorded over half of the concert with her singing into her own phone, looking at her oh, own reflection. Yeah, that's too bad. I agree. That's too bad. She seemed happy the entire sure. time. Yeah. She paid the same as I did for a ticket. Like, if that's you what you want to do, you great. Freud and Freud. One part of me cannot stop thinking about, was that video for her? Or is somebody else the target yeah. that's going to have to like sit through an hour and a half of you? Yeah. I'm also, you, get, you, tickets. <laughs> you can't see this out there, folks, but uh, imagine holding your, uh, your, uh, self-facing camera about 45 degrees south of your chin. Oh, the upward angle. Yeah. And then, it's always unfortunate to open yeah, your phone. And, and, then, that's the- and then I'm just going to say, like, as a bigger guy, she was, she was bigger. And she would sometimes look at the camera and sometimes look at the stage. But she just sang and, and videoed that. And for the first half an hour, I actually thought she was like live. It's like most dads. That's like most 80 dads. Yes. 80s dads. Yep. That's that angle with the Oakleys on. Absolutely. In their truck. Just ready to, in the truck. Wow. ready to get super mad it's about a flatter angle, sir. something with brown skin <laughs> or a up. vagina. Very mad. Uh, but as I was watching that, like, I was mortified. Like, oh, my God. Like, are you just broadcasting that? And then she would, like, stop it. And then she would listen to a song. And then she would go back. I think it was just the song she knew the lyrics to. And then she would go back in. I'll give her some props because she was also watching the show. Honestly, back and forth. Because I think she was able to yep. put it at an angle where she could. Yep. Okay. All right. Maybe there's some strategy. Yep. So I just, but I, it wasn't I just, maybe a 10 out of 10, but it was like a 6 uh, out of 10, was, perhaps. But again, not going to yuck your yum. I'm happy for your joy. But if you're going to send that to me and I have to watch it, now I'm probably going to make some jokes about it. All right. Now you two have to guess the movie I walked out of. I'm just, I'm just going to give you one hint. It was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. It's the only movie I've ever walked out of. I want to say True Lies. True Lies is great. What are you talking about? I don't know. Now get out of here. Um, <laughs> jingle all the way. <laughs> this is the end of days. End of days. Terrible. Fucking I don't know if rock. I've ever seen it. I don't it. think I've seen don't, that either. Don't do it. Unless you want to walk out of your own out. house. Yeah. <laughs> you, gotta go, you got somewhere to be? Put on End of Days. You will leave your house. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> you know so what? Bad. If the human that was with me is listening to this show, I walked oh. out of Iron Monkey. And it was because of, A, how it was presented to me beforehand. That funky monkey. But also, B, uh, there was some shit going on in the theater. I have sat through a lot of bad movies because sometimes, as we've talked about, Charles, I am in it for the story. Okay. Where I want to see how bad something can be. Like, uh, Pastor, I have watched twice. <laughs> no, uh, I'm that, sorry. There's a movie called Pastor. It's amazing. 
Uh, How are you the last one to hear about this? Deathbed, the bed that eats people, I have watched four times. It is incredible. I feel uncultured now that I did not know that. Velocipaster. Yeah. So so everybody out there, check out Velocipaster. I'd rather picture what it's about than never watch it. Yeah. I'm picturing the little little tie, you know. At least watch the the preview because it's worth it. Uh, But then also Deathbed, the the bed that eats people. 100%. Okay. Are you going to see Cocaine Bear? 100% in the theater. I am going. I do got to see. I heard it's great, actually. Did you hear that? I, heard it's very I, good. I was just, I, like, I don't I think it's jokey. By. It sounds jokey, but apparently it's like it's a real story and it's well acted. I think it's a good movie. The real story has nothing to do with the movie. Uh, <laughs> there, there was a bear that died of cocaine. That's the closest that we get to actually what the story is. There's a bear that did a bunch of cocaine that, yeah, but. But it just died. overdosed it's just and a died. Horror movie, it right? ate 73 pounds it died of cocaine. Instantly? Yeah. Credits roll. Correct. The end. But here's the thing. Boom, 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 Did not give a fuck. Uh, sprinkles. That's the cocaine sound. Yeah, the sprinkles. AKA the Genie sprinkles. sprinkles. Uh, I did not give a fuck about that movie until I found out that Elizabeth Banks directed it. And I was like, you are funny and smart and talented. I want to see what you do with that. I heard it's good. And now I'm in. I heard it's good. Well, shit, so, let's cheers. Yeah. How about that? And let me, let me just tell you, as somebody who, is, kinda, who has been friends with more than a few cocaine bears in his life, every cocaine <laughs> bear I've ever known, pretty fun. Pretty funny. <laughs> Cheers. 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 I just want to tack on real quickly to that, that someone did like a fake movie poster. Of, if anyone's an MMA fan, I have no idea if you're listening to this, if you watch UFC. John Jones now fights at heavyweight. He's the new heavyweight champ of the world. He was looking a little chubby. People thought maybe he would have bulked up in a more responsible fashion. But someone made a poster of Cocaine Bear with John Jones on it because he also has been in trouble for cocaine before. <laughs> that was like the perfect meme I, That's pretty I, I saw last week when my buddy was showing them all to me. John Jones, the Cocaine Bear. I will, I will straight up say that the, the thing that makes <laughs> me the most angry about that film is that I never once, for all of the bear jokes that I have made about being a hairy plus-size fella, Never once have I thought of the tagline, don't coke the bear. That's it's so the good. best fucking tagline. It is perfect. I've never once wow. made that joke. It is perfect. I literally worked a <laughs> private event at a gay club, mm-hmm. and at no point did That's I so think good. of that line. Someone thought of it and was like, I came up with that before. They stole <laughs> I almost that from think me. you think of that line, and then you write the script after it. Yeah. Right. Like, literally, the minute you think cocaine bear, don't coke the bear well, in a world. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're on to something. Let's write a movie. <laughs> who should we get to direct it? You remember the woman who like wrote and directed Pitch Perfect? In. Let's go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad we're already talking about movies. <laughs> so there's a new Ted Lasso themed biscuit flavored ice cream, which is pretty cool. Stop it. Right? Yeah. How cool is that? Jenny's ice cream. The best, the shelf, best, literally the best shelf ice cream you can buy. Legit. Uh, she's also awesome and frequently like will comment back to me on Instagram, which is she's she's fucking awesome. She has Jenny G E N I. Uh, sorry, J E N I is her Instagram handle. She, she owns. She got that one. Single Jenny. And Jenny. She's the Jenny. So uh, off the top of your head, ridiculous or otherwise. Becca, name a themed food you would love to see based on like a song or movie, TV show, or another media entity. It's so good. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pass on this one and come back to me. Yeah, come back to me. Yeah. 
It's all like this is it, this is so tough because the the humor side in me wants to go so hard in the pain on that, but then like the giant music fan wants to be like really thoughtful and and honest about it. Uh, they already got rap chips, dude. Yeah, uh, rap snacks. Thank you very much. It's rap, rap snacks. snacks. Are they beverage form? <laughs> no, not as in a, a Montucky cold snack. Although they are missing out on that. <laughs> you can have the iced tea Montucky cold snack. Uh, but yeah, for me, there's a little bit of me that that really, <laughs> I really desperately want to have like something involving like a Guy Ritchie movie, like Lock, Stock, oh. and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, just for the amount of whiskey that they had in that. I, I would love to have like just straight up say for shooting only. Not for cocktails. You could only take shots of this. Okay. <laughs> because every yes. shot then immediately goes from like the slow motion to the fast speed camera and yeah. like an Iggy Pop song from 78 starts playing. And then all of a sudden everybody has cool ass Cockney accents. Oh my God. I would 100% love Such If I could get answer. that full effect of that, sure. I'm in 100%. <laughs> I also think that um, I, I have two nephews and a niece. And we've watched a lot of movies together. Mm-hmm. And I think Dairy Queen is really missing out on Big Hero 6 as, like, the soft serve fluffy ice cream cone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they kind of look like the Michelin Man, but with bigger mm-hmm. chunks, which is basically Big Hero 6. Man. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> and I would, love, I would love for that to be a Pop thing. a couple eyes in there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm into that. I would, so I would go <laughs> yeah. Big Ice Cream 6. Yeah. <laughs> or the whiskey that enters me into the, the Guy Ritchie effect immediately. Mm-hmm. Where, like, somebody super salty who's probably lecturing you about a man who keeps pegs. <laughs> or, like, the fuck is wrong with you, Turkish? Pours the shot out, and then you take it, yeah. and instantly all of your perception of time changes, and then really ruckus, like, lust for life Yeah, plays. time is no longer linear yep. with that nope. beverage. Not at all. Yeah. It's two barrels. Yeah. It's, like, two... Two barrels of a shotgun. And maybe it's heavy. Like, yes. the weight's a sign of reliability. Yes. yes. Yeah. 100%. Yes. 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 Like, and, like, maybe the bartender does one with you, and, and <laughs> his, uh, his says replica on the side of the glass, <laughs> and then mine says Desert Eagle point four four. And then we go, because I got the real shit. Mm-hmm. That that oh, would be. So that would be I don't. Did, did that strike anything for you, or should we kick it to, to Charles? Kick it to Charles. All right, Charles. Yeah. Uh, man, I can't believe you sniped me. I want dags. I love dags. Oh. No, just kidding. I don't want a, ha- a hat dog? <laughs> a hat dog no, of dags? Dog snacks, girl. I love dags. Oh, yeah. I love dogs. Uh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be super topical and a little corny and say, let's get some mushroom chips. In. Cordyceps. Beard. Last of Us. Eat them before they eat you. Cordyceps chips. Cordyceps chips. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole answer. Like, Can we get some... Mushroom chips. Let's make it. That have the branding of The Last of Us on them. Let's capitalize. Let's make some money, Sony. Has anybody make figured out money. if you cook cordyceps so the Ooh. spores are dead, is there a flavor to them? Is this how we either fix or start the zombie apocalypse? You know how they say mushrooms are meaty? That's it. That's all. <laughs> Leave it at <laughs> It's that. rhetorical. <laughs> you know how they say mushrooms are meaty? I mean, These are the meatiest mushrooms you could have. <laughs> well, what are we farming them from? The ground or a human? Or ants. A clicker. You shave clicker. their... You give them a shave. Yes, you know, there, there you go. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm in. Honestly, in at this point, I would, I would try them. 
Cordyceps snacks. Yeah. Cordyceps snacks. Yeah. Then before That's the EU, I, I just came up with that, that too. It's. It's great. Yeah, I mean, uh, I. Well, it's great and terrible. It, yeah, like. Not terrible in that it's bad. Terrible in that it's very heartbreaking. It's uh, it's a hard watch. Yeah. Oh. Okay. The the video game, but in the best way. Like it's, it went. If you like to be moved by the things that media wise, you know, I like metal. I like sad boy music. I like angry music. If you watch a program like Last of Us, you need to know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You're watching something that makes you feel a lot of things that you know. Uh, Ted Lasso, for instance, mm-hmm. is not going to make you feel. It's the anti-Lasso. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's brutal. And it was like the video game to get through it. The story was so real. Like that was the first time that I had to literally like take a break playing it because it was affecting me emotionally oh boy. too much. Yeah. And then they were like, cool. What if, what if in reverse where we had really, really sad cutscenes and then a shit ton of like action, what if we did it the opposite? Where it's just all of the really heartbreaking things that would happen if we were in this post-apocalyptic world. Mm. And then also, while you're in the middle of figuring all of these things out, you also are being hunted by all kinds of things that want to kill you. Like it's, Equal parts sorrow and horror, like yep. my favorite music. And then, yeah, and then <laughs> finding little moments of beauty in between. Sure. Like, I will, I will still say, even as sad as it is, that episode three is one of the most moving episodes of television i've ever seen and it's relatively a happy episode like it none even of these are spoilers none of these are yeah spoilers. if you're okay. if you're real about it it even ends to me happy but it's absolutely heartbreaking on top of it oh man that is yeah i have to probably mentally prepare before i see that yeah mm-hmm. um okay so to answer your question <laughs> have either of you seen the movie triangle of sadness just watched it no i think i might have to go for like a soup Oh, fuck yes. <laughs> okay. Fuck yes. I am in. Okay. I am you, in. Can you contextualize this without spoiling the movie? Um, or, I, or does it spoil the whole movie? Because I don't know if I can. Okay, I'm, like, right. I am a spoiler queen. So. Charles, are you, are you familiar with... Wait, you're great at spoiling stuff? Or? I, I mean, not on purpose, but I do it often. You just do it? I yeah. just do it. It's a, it's a and I am like, block. I don't even watch previews for anything because I am so averse to spoilers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, them. I got to be quiet then. I'm, I'm so anti-spoiler. It. Are you yeah. um, Are you familiar with the movie? Triangle of Sadness. Mm, nope. Okay. So for you, Charles, and for everybody out there listening that isn't familiar with this. Just the I, wrestling group. Yeah, right. Which, honestly, I, I think the name is the one thing I didn't like about the Triangle movie. Yeah. Because it doesn't dictate at all, like, what is going How on. How fantastic was that film? It's, it was, it's amazing. Yeah. So it is, a, it is ostensibly a movie about. It's like what I'd describe myself sitting under a blanket Indian style if I'm really upset. <laughs> yes. Or for sure, my finishing move as Cocaine Bear, we end in the triangle of sadness where I choke myself out while also choking you out. Whoa. Uh, the third person is begging you to stop. Yeah, yeah, the ref is begging me to stop. And that's the triangle of sadness. The ref stops the match because he's just so sad. That's That's dark. Uh, So, no, it's it's about like. like the most ridiculous yacht you've ever seen in your life uh, with the richest of the rich that are on it. Okay. Who, of course, are so detached from reality that they're just demanding everything. And you're seeing the worst of humanity and what it does to the staff that's working on this boat. And then the two sort of come together. And then there's a giant accident. And then the people that survive said accident end up washing on a desert island. 
And did you just spoil the whole movie? Not at all. No, okay. it's in the preview. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Not that I, it's not for me. No. I don't know if I'll ever see it. Maybe I will. Maybe you'll convince me now. Uh, it's. I mean, it's nominated for a number of Academy Awards, mm-hmm. and I will say what. Yeah, and That's I will. How much attention I pay to the Oscars these days? I will one hundred percent say. I don't. There is a dialogue between uh, Woody Harrelson's character, who is the captain of the boat, and one of the passengers. That is one of my favorite two-person dialogues in any movie. I actually rewound it and watched the entire thing a second time, not knowing where the movie was going. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm in it just for this. Oh, I have Let's a big fucking with go. That too, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> uh, but then uh, I hate pausing movies. Even oh, like no, we're get, we're gonna pause the movie so you can get something to drink. Don't do that. If I'm the only one watching it, I will do that. If it's two people, it's. It could be frustrating, but I like if, to get all set up. Yeah, ahead of time. Yeah, oh, of course. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Uh, but yeah, the the soup portion of it, I don't know how to explain that without giving. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way, because it's not a spoiler, perhaps, to ask you back. What is the soup? It might be something that occurs to someone after the That's, fact. Yep. That, What's the soup? I was trying to figure out an innocuous question, but knowing it, I felt mm. like I was going to tip my hand. So that? That's a great question. So what is? I the think it soup? would have to be a different soup, though. Yes. Yeah, a cream, a cream of something. Uh huh. Yeah. Does it say cream of something right on it? You, it's a surprise. Yeah, it's just cream of something. It's like a variety pack. Yeah, yeah. I Creams think it, it has something? like the viscosity of it has to be. So creams really, of something. Yeah, creams yeah. of something. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> right it's three. It's three in a triangular carton. Maybe like a you're, seafood. I'm a packaging guy. Right? Yeah, 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 I was gonna say you're also in marketing, and it's always go. three words: it's three triangle cans, of sadness, triangle cream of something. Yep. Three creams of something. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a seafood. Base. I love it. I'd yeah. eat it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm open to any anything when it comes to I, soups. Charles, I honestly watch it. I think you'll. Okay. I, I think I you will. Just found out it existed. So twenty minutes in, cool. I think that you'll text me, kind of like I did with the physical one hundred demand. Yeah, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hulu. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. Heard of it? I think you'll do the same thing that I did when it, twenty minutes into the physical one hundred, which you recommended to me. I texted you. God damn it! I'm fucking hooked. Fucking incredible. Hundred oh, percent. Twenty minutes a... in, you'll be like, oh, <laughs> wherever this is going, I'm in. I could easily come up with something for physical one hundred, like a protein <laughs> shake or something. <laughs> By the way, also watch physical one hundred. Oh, I don't know if there's that. been. That's on my list. It's now. a South the Korean. Best. It's a South Korean game show a reality show competition show where they asked for the hundred best athletes of the entire country. And they so you did have, a pretty fucking good job. Yeah, they have Olympians. Got Olympians, MMAs, uh, world's strongest man. A hundred human beings. It's kind of like squid game, but in real life, but no one actually dies. Oh yeah. God, yes. It's but so good. It's all different feats of strength. Everybody watch it. And basically every episode, they get rid of half the people. Stop it. And it's, everybody is like a devoted athlete, but they're all of these wildly different body types. So then they, they start trying to figure out how to work together and team challenges. And it's, I mean, it's absolutely brutal, but it's also it's so, so positive oh my God, because they that. don't make anybody sure. into a villain. They let everybody just like be a, a pretty good person. You know, yeah. like very good. there's a couple of assholes, but I mean, yeah, I could appreciate uh, an asshole. Hey, Quam. Yeah. Let's talk about some CBD. We should. Uh, I was telling you before we started this, uh, we have uh, we have two sponsors uh, kind of under the same house, Foundry Nation and Balance. And we've talked a lot about their CBD stuff uh, with the dog treats. And we've talked a, about, a lot about their THC drinks. But uh, today I was reminded that my first experience with Balanced, which is BLNCD, no vowels, uh, my first experience was years ago 
they were the first CBD, locally made CBD drink on the market. And their pink grapefruit flavor is the fucking jam. And I stopped in at the coffee house that is down the street from Jenny and I's first house. It's called Cup of Java. It's right off of 394 and Penn. It's the jam if you're in Minneapolis. Go there. It's an amazing place. Wonderful coffee. But they actually had um, the balanced CBD drinks mm-hmm. sitting on the counter. And as much as I love THC, I don't consume it if I'm operating my motor vehicle, if I'm doing anything. Like, that's just not really my jam to, like, grab a can in the car with me. But the CBD stuff, I will. Because I don't feel, there's no psychoactive effects. All I feel is that I don't hold my stress in my shoulders in the middle of my back as much. Right. Um, It's not something that I feel like is like a catch-all, like, oh, this cures me of it. But if I'm having a really stressful day, instead of caffeine, I will do that. And there's a, an acai berry one. There's a berry blueberry acai. lemon, I believe. Berry lemon, grapefruit. Yeah. yeah and then, but the grapefruit one is my favorite. And it was just a reminder that as much as I love CB, or THC as a chemical for me, it's helped my brain a lot. I enjoy the, the, the vibe of it. CBD also is fucking great. And it works so well for me as a stress reliever. So, uh, again, just a reminder to all of our listeners, if you go to uh, Foundry Nation or to BLNCD, balancedwithnovowels.com, type in that code, capital L, libations20, libations20, you'll get 20% off anything that you want shipped. And they ship all over, not just the country, but uh, if your country allows it, they'll ship all over the world. And there, there's a variety pack as well that contains mm-hmm. each of the, the CBD beverages, yep. if that's your vibe. If you like the CBD stuff, then go on the site, type in, don't forget to type the promo code, mm-hmm. capital L, lowercase, I-B-A-T-I-O-N-S, 20% off. And literally, like, there, it's zero calories. So I also will sometimes drink one before I go to bed. Because it just chills me out a little bit. Yeah. And then the last thing that I consume before I go to bed is 10 more ounces of water. You're in a stressful day and your dog's around? Give them one of the CBD snacks. Drink <laughs> one of the yeah. very acai drinks for yourself. One That's for you, jam. one for me, pal. And then I give them a couple blueberries and I have a couple blueberries, you know? I absolutely fucking adore it. Yes. And now I wish I had one right now. Because I already drank mine. <laughs> That's what's up. Uh, all right, should we uh, should we bring it around to the last last yeah. question? Let's let's cheers. Uh, how are you doing on your bev? Should we have? I I tried a little bit of this. Ooh, yeah. What do you think? Mm-hmm. It's good. I think yeah. this is my favorite out yeah. of the three. That's what I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a little splash. Yeah, more. I think I'm gonna do a little bit of that next. I I like how each of these is uh, nuanced but has different characteristics. Totally. Yeah. I think we. We inadvertently made. Yeah, we accidentally. You know, you picked two bottles where you didn't know one of them, and I picked a bottle where I didn't know your two bottles, and I think they all worked really yeah, nicely together. We, we accidentally picked a really great yeah. agave flight. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I don't know if this is a thing that exists outside of my dumbass brain's world, but seeing Bruce Springsteen was uh, the final cross off of a bucket list that I wrote for myself when I was 21 years old. I made a list of 50 bands that I needed to go see. I missed out on Tom Petty because he passed away, and Daft Punk broke up before they went back out on tour. Other than that, I saw everybody else. That said, that was a music bucket list. I also still have like a personal bucket list of experiences. Is there something, do you have a bucket list, and is there something 
that you would put on that does not have to be music related at all. Mm-hmm. Just is there a thing that you definitely want to do before your time, however long it is, before your time is out? Yeah. Is there something that you're all about? Also, let's cheers. Oh, yeah. Yes. I just poured the wrong one. I, I wanted to pour the tequila, and I poured the sotol, so I shot it, and then <laughs> now I have the tequila. So hey. <laughs> Oopsies. Mine is definitely travel related. Yeah. yeah. And it's probably Norway for me. Come on, you're talking yeah, my language. No, literally I knew, and figuratively. I know. I knew that you did, I I knew you'd feel me on that, but I yeah. it's probably some northern lights. Yep. That's oh. Because I'm like I'm a Minnesota gal through and through. Like I like the cold weather. Yes. I'm like a parkas to swimsuits person. Mm. I um, I dig cold travel, so that is that's high on my list. Have sure. you had any luck with any Northern Lights ever? No, no. I haven't either, and I I I don't seek them out like traveling for them, but I I'll hear or I'll see like oh Northern Lights, you should be able to see them from. And I'll be in Nevis, Minnesota, and I'm like standing like mm-hmm. the guy in the meme, you know, the bald guy at the basketball <laughs> game. I'm just standing with my hands on my hips and a frown on my face, looking up into the sky off the dock. Like, hey guys, that was a foul. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had no luck. So that's Neither great. Have I know that's a that's a big one for me. I haven't either. I haven't seen any. Dope. So yeah, that'll yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's experience and place. It, it gives you a whole confluence of experience. Yeah. What is, are there other elements of Norway that you hope to experience or that you have in mind, or are you gonna just like? let it happen i think you know maybe because like much like your food porn i got like the travel Mm -hmm. theme in my feed and like i think it's Mm -hmm. the train rides you know i like a train ride and it's you know the mountains and i just like how their people live and it just seems fair and logical and it just it feels like a good place to go i think that's imagine an aurora night train they have it who would that fucking be they literally have it yeah. So uh, it goes, basically, it starts about two-thirds of the way up, and then it goes all the way up to Lofoten. And they will direct people to which side of the car the Northern Lights are visible on. Mm. And if you're in, like, the bar cart, it's a glass ceiling. Wow. So you can just sit. All the chairs in the bar cart face out to the windows. Yeah. So you can just sit in the chair and look out, or you can stand in the middle and just look up see everything so Delightful. that exists that i will literally like a, i don't know like my dream i will literally scenario. send you the website of how <laughs> to find it please that's um so my my wife and i are taking our moms and we're going at the end of april and we went back and forth on going all the way up to lofoten where all those islands are and where you're well above the arctic circle and we th- thought maybe but i have also been shut out of all three chances that i've had to see like arctic circle uh, Northern Lights. So I didn't want to take a chance on it. So we chose halfway up Norway. We're doing a, a fjord cruise because that, no matter what, sunny, not sunny, whatever. I want my mom to see billion years old, sheer mountain faces, and understand like this is where people what came a from. Trip. You know? Oh man, that's gonna be so great. Yeah, but I, dude, I get it. I, yeah, I have only seen faint Northern Lights. I've never seen real ones. Mm-hmm. I'm so yeah. There was this video that was going around social media last week of a pilot that turned around because they were flying amidst some really beautiful Aurora action. And the pilot apparently got clearance to do it. 
and did a swoop around so that everybody could see yeah. it. How cool is that? He did a full 360 uh, in the middle in of the, the Northern air, Lights I would love to see so that. that every single person could see the Northern Lights out of either side of the plane. Man. And like, again, like the that customer dude. Customer service. Right. And that, that guy gave, yeah. like, how often do you get to give they a charge gift? charge everyone's card, you know, yeah. 100 bucks is okay. You <laughs> give know. everybody a gift that it. they'll remember for the rest of their lives. That's wow. that's insane. And then there were probably people taking really bad videos <laughs> instead of looking at it. But they were, no, <laughs> it was. Gonna go live. The, the yeah. camera was facing them and they're like, yeah. hey guys, um, their flash I'm looking. On. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. And the, the reflection of the flash yeah. is the only thing. Hold on, I have to illuminate the aurora. There's like one really bright star. I can't really see the other colors, but it like, it moves with my hand. And no matter what I do, it's crazy. It's so luminescent. Oh, what a beautiful moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Awad, do you have a bucket list? I'm fascinated to know that. I got a lot of stuff, but it, it should probably come as no surprise. It's a travel thing as well. One word, three syllables. Tokyo. Mm. Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Say less. I gotta, yeah, I got to go to Tokyo, man. I've been, uh, fa- I've been fantasizing about going to Japan since... I was about this tall. You can't see my hand, but my hand is touching the floor right now. <laughs> uh, I ever since I was a wee one and didn't really know the joys of sake and uh, master cocktail making and yakitori and sushi and and all the other things that that come with um, the culture of Japan. But when I was a kid, I loved video games and I wanted to just like go to Nintendo. I want to meet Shigeru Miyamoto. I want to go to Nintendo. And so, I mean, between that as like a Wii one and then me as a, you know, last Wii one, I just love everything that Japan's about. Perfectionism, the culture, the people, the food. I'm sure like the museums and the scenery and traveling outside of Tokyo even. But, you know, if we want to just keep it to that, just want to fly into Tokyo. I had a canceled trip in 2020 due to the pandemic. Supposed to go in June of 2020. It got canceled, of course. It's understandable. The anticipation built massively because they didn't open up travel until very, very recently from this recording. It was like three or four months ago they finally reopened travel. But I, I really desperately need to get there. I've always wanted to go to there. I, find, I felt like, wow, I took a really long time to actually plan to make that adventure. And now there's a greater importance to me with, you know, checking off. I, I'm not really that guy, like, checking off boxes. I don't actually subscribe to Wanderlust. I just want to experience other cultures and... and see how other people live and be among them and experience the things that they experience. Now, more than ever, every passing day, I want to go more than I wanted to go the day before. And I've wanted to go since I was so small that I couldn't even imagine that I would ever be able to go there. Even the world that I lived in when I was a child, I didn't think that that was possible for me to go there because that wasn't the life that I lived when I was a child. But now knowing I have the means to do so, it's, it, it ranks right at the top. I want to go and experience all that they have to offer. So I, I, think we're, I think I'm cheating even more than Becca did because I'm saying I want to do everything there, but uh, I want to go to there. <laughs> I would like to go to there. Uh-huh. Yes, one of my favorite phrases. Send me. <clears throat> yep. I, uh, Beam me up. I, I, I keep my, my 
bucket list on my phone. And I, uh, a few years ago, I finally crossed over the, I've done more things on my original bucket list than I haven't. And now it is sitting at 23 to 12. So I've done 23 of the things that I wanted to do before it was all said and done. And I have 12 left. And a couple of them, <clears throat> it was very obvious that I wrote this in my 20s. Read Mile High Club. Remember how tall and large you are. Like, there's a few things that were, well, I leave it on there because it's hilarious to think about, but I'm probably good with that one not being a thing. <clears throat> but I'm saying this because I'm trying to speak it into existence. I have been really fortunate and really privileged over the last 20 years of my life to have access to things that somebody of my income and my means and my background should not have had access to. I, I have seen behind the scenes of some of the most amazing things I've ever seen, but the one fucking thing that I've never done is seeing Saturday Night Live live. And I thought seeing the theater and being in it and taking the full tour would maybe quench that thirst, and it is not. Mm -hmm. So very soon I am going to apply again for my 14th year in a row. I'm going to apply for tickets. I have yet to get them. Mm. I have told Jenny, it, How does it work? So yeah, I never, the application? Yeah. They open up a lottery okay. where you sign up. You say who you are, how old are you, and then there's a chunk that you're allowed to like leave a comment. And I tried it for my 30th. I tried it for my 35th. I tried it for my 40th. I have yet to even get an email back. But I'm going to continue every single year applying for the tickets because basically – it puts you in the mix for every single show. Sure. And then they'll let you know a week ahead of time, mm -hmm. and it's up to you. Wherever you live, it's up to you like, to get there. That's the notice. I will 100%. I will spend whatever it takes. Especially after all that. I, I, have, I have been in love with every cast that's transformed over and over and over again. I have found a way to love every single cast. I can tell you my favorite sketches of every single era. I... I Everybody that says SNL is dead, I just laugh and I'm like, you guys are, just join the rest of the crowd. Everybody counts them out because it changes. The comedy changes. The writers change. The idea of what they do is what I love. I don't give a fuck. Honestly, I don't care about the menu. I love the way that the different chefs make the dishes. And sometimes it's not exactly what like my favorite dish would be. I don't give a fuck. I know what's going on in that kitchen. I know how small that kitchen is, and I know how hard it is to write in that kitchen because I've, I've written shit. I've been a part of that process, and I've had all the freedom and all the time on earth, and I still felt pressure. And these people, these amazing humans, turn out a show year after year after year. Going to the studio only made it worse for me. Like, now I have to be there because I realized how small and intimate that entire thing is. And... Again, after seeing Bruce Springsteen, it was everything that I, I wanted it to be. I don't give a shit. I wasn't anywhere near the stage. There was no chance I could touch him when he went walking in the crowd. I don't give a fuck. I just got to see it. That's what I feel about SNL. I just want to be in that room and feel that laughter and hear. I want to hear that saxophone in my ears live, not yeah. through my TV speaker. It's weird, but we're so removed from reality with 
digital media that we almost forget that you can be in a room and watch people perform that in front of you? In a room that holds maybe 200 people. Even if you're on the worst episode ever. Please have it be. amazing. I I will tell you... I, I honestly... You forget, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, it is. I know it's a live studio audience, but I don't think about that. And but, it becomes like... It doesn't seem like it becomes more and more of a cool thing because there aren't sitcoms that are performed in front of live studio There's less anymore. and less being filmed like that. There's yeah. absolutely nothing that's live <laughs> like that anymore. And we're, we're, we're staring down season 48 right now. I don't know if this show... Holy like, crap. it existed for 48. two years... It existed for two years without Lauren Michael, Michaels, and they almost killed it. And Lauren's the only reason that it came back. Mm-hmm. And that was in, like, 83. It's been him ever since. What the fuck? Eventually, he's going to tap out. And at this point, if I'm Lauren, I don't know if I want to pass that on to anybody else. Come up How with the next you? thing. Yeah. So what I'm starting to become afraid of is that 50 is going to be it. And now I'm starting to panic a little bit mm. that I've been trying for so long, but I haven't, I haven't figured out my way. You just so, made a bunch more people apply, by the way. By <laughs> I know. Fair I'm going to start emailing on your behalf. You know what? Honestly, no, no, no. I, if, if I know two people that have been able to see uh, SNL live, and they are two humans that I am so desperately happy that got to see it because they see the world the way that I do. Freud I absolutely... Freud Freud. Freud and Freud. I 100%... <laughs> would cheer on anybody who gives a shit about comedy that yeah. gets to go see that show yeah. that if I don't get to cool but that's my bucket list I, I I now that has now I really honestly after Prince died I started getting really panicky about whether or not I was going to see Bruce Springsteen like he is my first musical memory and I needed for how obsessed I am I needed to tie that together now we're done with that what's my next thing my next thing was the first time I laughed at SNL was the first time I remember laughing at like a, a not a cartoon, right? Yeah. Like a live action thing. And I have watched every single cast since the 80s. I've had my favorite sketches. I think I might be the only person in my own life that has never been like, oh, I don't fucking like these guys. I, I'm obsessed with the, the whole idea of the show is so intrinsic to who I am that I almost don't care who's in the cast. I just want to figure out everybody's rhythms and then I get excited for when different actors come on the screen because I'm like, oh, what are you going to bring to it? I just, I just want to sit there for one second and, 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 or for one episode and just and be in it and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God. You know, just freaking out mm. to myself. And when I got to see how intimate that theater was, that was what really pushed me over the edge uh, was getting to really understand how small that is and how much change has to happen in in such a teeny area and how they swap out all these different sets. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just staging. It's literally full teams of carpenters that build an entire thing for one sketch. And as soon as that, because the stage moves, as soon as the the stage moves off, they take it down during the commercial. And if it's not down during the commercial, they have to wait till the next thing. The amount of humans that are involved in just the technical aspect of making each one of those sketches look right are exactly why I will never agree with people that's like, oh, this show's bullshit now. Like, do you have any idea what it takes to execute that? I don't care if you don't think it's great. Just understanding the human, the amount of human power it takes to make that thing happen effortlessly 
live. Without editing and in no real editing. time. Nope. And I think that there's some, like something really fucking cool. A bunch of people working together feverishly to make something happen. Mm. And it's however fleeting it is, a few minutes, and then it's on to the next. I think that's that's cool. The SNL that's a good band. Bucket list. You know, I've I've been listening to those guys my entire life. And you had the G. E. Smith crew and now the modern crew, and I'm blanking on the saxophonist's name, but who leads the band now. I've literally never heard that band fuck up. I've listened to them every week for, I don't know, 35 years. I've never heard them screw up. Like, that's how professional. I've never Do seen somebody. you watch somebody, SNL religiously? Like, uh, you record it and then watch it? I've, I've, yeah. I don't think. There's probably some episodes in, like, the 98 to 2001 era where I was in college slash not in the country where I probably missed some stuff. But I would say, by and large, I've seen almost every SNL episode since 1991. My version of that would be WrestleMania. Yeah. Never been to WrestleMania. I'll go someday, but yeah. I'm in. I, I just, I have to. Like, it's, it's like a, not a, oh, maybe like, no, no. Literally, it was at the Bruce Springsteen thing. Like, Jenny was like, so like, what's your next thing? And as soon as she went to bed, I went downstairs and I was watching TV because I was still flying high. And it just hit me that I hadn't seen the newest SNL. And I put it on, and I'm like, oh, my God. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Becca, do you have, like, a show that, or, like, a musician or anything else, like a stage show of any sort Man. that is that ranks really high for you? I, I wish I shared the same passion, like, for music that you guys do. And, I, like, I enjoy music, yeah. you know. I don't know that there is – I don't know that I've ever had that, like – fandom you know what I mean um let me think about it if like I don't have anything off the top you know like I like it's I'm like a real like actually I take that back from like a young age one of the very first concerts that I got to see was Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac with my mom and that that sort of did it for me so was it the last time you saw them Actually, I got to see them a few years ago when they were at the XL. Oh, shit, there so you go. that was that was huge for me. So I've seen them twice, mm. but that would be that would be a show that I wouldn't turn down. I just I love them. I have uh, I've had a love hate relationship with Fleetwood Mac. And that's, I think because yeah. everybody told me that that Rumors is the, like the greatest album ever made. Mm-hmm. I like the 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 anti hero in me was like, well, fuck it. Then I just don't like Fleetwood Mac, and I've started to come around and. Uh, for a little while, I was like, I just, I don't know if I love Stevie Nicks. I love who she is as a human. I just don't know if I love her voice. And now uh, she's coming with Billy Joel together. And I'm so curious as to if they're going to play things together. Mm-hmm. And if they are, my curiosity is such that, like, I feel like I have to go. So I will be the non-Fleetwood Mac fan that never saw Fleetwood Mac live, who really just didn't like Stevie Nicks that much, who now might <laughs> go see Stevie Nicks solo. Because I think that's a solid category of people, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. She's like clearly like the raddest human in the band. I just, yeah. I, I don't know why. I never identified with her voice. No, that's okay. It's like, I mean, yeah, you, you know that that's the case with a lot of people. Yeah. Like, I love Rush, but people are like, dude, no, I can't. The vocals. Mm-hmm. Um I, my, my wife mm-hmm. would literally punch me in the face if I put Dave Matthews on at home. I, mm-hmm. I like Dave Matthews. We would Matthews. both beat you up. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't love his I voice. I admire what they do musically. I love their band. No, I, no, yeah. I admire. Actually, like, let, me, let me walk it back. 
I love what they do musically. I think it's good, but it's not for me, and that's okay. Nope. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of music that's not for me, but that's it's it's really cool. It's yep. it's really cool. You guys, what you're doing is real cool. It's real cool. That's real, real, real cool. cool. What you're doing there. <laughs> Schadenfreude. <laughs> Schaden Schaden is there sadness in other people's sadness? Freud and Schadenfreude. Yeah. Because if someone else loves it, I love that. I love that for you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yes, that's perfect. There we are. That's that's what we had done. Um, all right. So Becca, as we're winding this show down. Uh, like, is there, okay, so people that want to kind of see your work, like, obviously, it's the staging and renovation 911 is a great way to see that. Do you know, is there a streaming uh, similar to seeing it on live cable? Do you know what network that would be on? It would be probably Hulu. Okay. Would be the best place to YouTube check TV that out. has, so a lot of the streaming services do have HGTV. Yeah. Uh, it, like Sling and, TV and would yeah, too. Yeah, it's on demand on mm-hmm. stuff too because my wife watches a lot of HGTV, especially now we're like shopping for a new house. And I'm trying to remember, is it my through... brother loves HGTV? Yeah. Cool, cool. I... It's on stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, like check that out. Uh, and then if people want to follow what uh, Grey Duck Staging does independently of the show, uh, where should they look up uh, your stuff? Yep, you can find me on Instagram at Grey Duck Staging. And then website, greatduckstaging.com. I feel like, oh, I'm really sorry if I fuck this up. You spell it the correct rad way where it's G-R-E-Y? That's right. Yeah. The right way. So G-R-E-Y-D-U-C-K staging. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the clarification. It could go either. My phone corrects me all the time. Yeah, thanks for saying that because I wouldn't. I forget about the other It's the correct way. It's the right way. G-R-E-Y is how I say it and also how it looks best. So get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you want people to know that's coming up? Or uh, if people are thinking about maybe uh, like moving, uh, how, like at what point in the, in the stage of selling their house, like at what point should they reach out and talk to you if they're interested in, in figuring out how to stage their, their own sale? Yeah, uh, great question. I think the second that you're thinking about it, you should reach out to if not me, some type of professional to help you discover the best way to market your largest asset. So from paint colors to furniture layout, you know, that's going to do nothing but help you. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles, anything that you want to plug? Yeah, I want to plug this great podcast called Libations for Everyone. Oh, that sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> we have a crazy assortment of guests forthcoming. <laughs> yep. We're recording six episodes this month. We're still <laughs> releasing weekly, but we're trying to figure out how to assimilate everything. But beginning with Becca, we have a fucking real dope lineup of super interesting, amazing, profound, accomplished human beings. And I'm just, I'm so pumped. I wish we were like about to record another episode yep. right now. Totally. Because <laughs> we have, we have such cool guests coming up. We had a, we got a banger coming up next week, too, so stay tuned for that one. I mean, legit, like, both episodes next week are, like... But the one that's airing next yeah, week, yeah, specifically. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But both that we're recording next week will be coming out next week and the week after mm-hmm. how the sausage is made. We had to do that at least one point in this episode, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. We got to give the backstory. Yeah, <laughs> let's go. Uh, Becca, just as your friend, like, I've known you for so long, I am... I am so honored that you came and hung out with us, but I also just think it's fucking rad. One of the things that has 
like I probably should have said this in my question about the service industry, but one of the things that I think a lot of people don't understand is the amount of shit that you go through, the amount of stress, the amount of crazy, weird things that go wrong. Like you're just living in a world of chaos and that breeds either really, really close contact or like, I fucking hate you. Like, it's almost like the polarity of magnets where you either find people you click with or you find people that you're like, I never want to be around that human again. And I love that in the mid 2000s, I met you and you were one of the raddest humans ever. And I like that even as cool as that person is, it's been so much fun to just get to chat with you now. And great. Like, He's saying you're even cooler now. Yeah, you're fucking... Is you're, I love that. That's you're amazing. You. Like, it really is like... Freud and Schadenfreude. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're like, cooler than you were before, but you were cool before, so... One of the things, one of the things that's hard about, um, the, like, the service industry in particular, and I'm sure that other people in other careers, like, feel this a little bit. The service industry is, as somebody who's worked both, it's, it's wildly different. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think like when you're in elementary school and high school, a lot of your friends are your friends because of proximity. Yep. And there are times where I've, I've worried about that, about my friends from the service industry, where like, I'm stuck with this person all the time, so I guess we'll hang out. Absolutely incorrect with you. You are an incredible human being, and I'm just so excited that like getting to kind of re-know you and where you're at in this stage in life is almost more exciting and more fun. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to say thank Thanks, you. Man. And I'm so fucking honored to still get to call you my friend. Oh, thank so. you. Thanks for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah, it has been fun. This has been rad. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, fuck, we've already had bangers this whole year. Like 2023 is just year of bangers, hashtag it, whatever. Uh, keep listening because every episode that comes out is just going to be amazing, amazing, amazing. And it's got nothing to do with me and However, Charles wants to view that. Go ahead, but our guests are the fucking. I've been saying that to everybody when Quam's not around. That's the T-shirt. Yeah, like let somebody call Nick Mouse and get the I don't understand the appeal of Ben Quam T-shirt printed. Right, let's mass produce that (laughs) shirt. (laughs) But until then, or until one of you makes that shirt happen, mass production wise, uh, I guess we'll see you next time. Bye. Peace.